The Transformers will return after these messages. Action plan! Now with eagle eyes that actually move. On the lookout for action. Up in the mountains. Down in the jungle. He drops from the skies. And rises from the depths. He's all action. Look out for all these fantastic uniforms specially designed for... Action Man. And his eagle eyes. I got it! Wow! Introducing the G.I. Joe USS Flag Aircraft Carrier. Imagine being on the deck of this aircraft carrier. The USS Flag is fantastic! It's so big! Oh, my Joe USS Flag Aircraft Carrier comes with what you see here, other figures and equipment sold separately from Hasbro. We now return to the Transformers. He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Real American Hero. G.I. Joe is there. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra the Enemy. Fighting to save the day. He'll never give up. He's always there. Fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Real American Hero. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is the code name of America's Special Missions Force. Its purpose, <laughs> to defend the human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He'll... Oh, fuck, what's the last verse? I don't know. It ends with, I'll fight till the fight's done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, uh, to all the world. He'll he'll never give up. He'll stay till the fight's done. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Real American hero. G.I. Joe. Rise the Penta Arise. Part one. Part one. We're we're already getting um copyright infringement letters, cease and desists in the in the in the emails. Welcome to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, part part two, uh, episode two of 2018. Part deux. Part deux. Um, I'm Dion And I'm Jay Blake. But his friends call him Blake. And we're here today, and we're doing something slightly different for our regular lineup, but it's not different from... Past lineups. Past lineups. <laughs> as well as it's not... You look at the overview when you think of... Our usual uh, modus operandi is we cover movies because we do sleepovers. And traditionally, people watch sleepovers at podcasts. They do they watch movies. But we were thinking, well, they watch, watch movies at sleepovers. <laughs> they sleepovers sleep, at they movies. They watch sleepovers at podcasts. At, at podcasts. They sleep over and listen to podcasts. I wonder if people do that now. Um, but this is a kind of thing where people would... You could have someone sleep over, and you guys can watch a bunch of TV. And yeah. we've done that before with TV movies. Sure. And we've done it before with... Um, Certainly could have taped this yeah. on a weekday afternoon. Yeah, we, we have. Five weekday afternoons in a row, and then... Then watch it on a Saturday. Broke it out with your friend. Yeah, you know, you can't, you're not getting home from school t- in time, so your dad's timer taping that for you, and then you're going to watch that Saturday night with the folks. Uh, 
Blake and I had a notorious episode of uh, Twinkle Rainbow or, or, or Re- Rainbow Bright we tried to record and we lost the entire thing. <laughs> uh, God damn it. So we're here today. We're talking about G.I. Joe. And specifically, we're talking about or, or the, For our Latino audiences, G.I. Jose. G.I. Jose. Or for Italian audiences, I think it's G.I. Guillermo, maybe a Giacomo. Or Giamo? I forget how, how you say G, uh, Joe or Joseph in um, Giovanni, maybe? G.I. Giovanni. G.I. Giovanni. <laughs> Giovanni. Ciao! <laughs> That's one of the new specialty guys. We've got Sergeant Slaughter, B. Chad Stalker, and G.I. Jose and G.I. Giovanni. All the different ethnicities. Um and if you keep going with that tangent, that can get into really some crude and bad jokes that are not. Yeah, well, that, that, we are not going to go no, there. No, we're not going to go there. Certainly not. Blake's wagging his finger at me. Remember when we were little, you, kids used to have the truly tasteless jokes? Those books? I don't recall those. Oh, we had some. There used to be like. There we were, had some truly tasteless jokes when I was a kid. Yeah, and these books, I had. I remember they used to be, it would just be a black cover and it'd be like truly tasteless jokes. And then each subsequent edition is like truly tasteless. And they would be different. If I remember correctly, you can look up ethnicities, you can look up, you know, I mean, it was really, yeah, it was really terrible, but it was, it was very tasteless. <laughs> yeah, but it was marketed. It was genuinely tasteless. It like. was marketed to, to, to kids to a certain level because only kids were buying these things, you know, and you had, you know, uh, about different races, about um, people with handicaps and disabilities. And this was like the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> Back then, nobody got, nobody got insulted. You're doing Polish yeah. jokes, you're doing, you know, racial jokes, you're doing ethnic jokes, you're doing sexist jokes, you're doing uh, xenophobic jokes, you're doing, um, you know, uh, disability jokes, and, you know, and then, like, and what it was is you'd just be flipping by, and if there was a kid present, you're like, oh, we can't do that joke, you know? <laughs> but this was, I remember, like, taking bus trips, like, you know, if I was at summer camp, and we'd take a bus trip to see, like, a Yankee game or something, or we'd go to the Bronx Zoo, kids would bring these on the, the bus trip, so, like, you'd have one kid in the back who brought the Truly Tasteless Jokes book, and he'd be like, hey, you know, what is, uh, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> like, one, it's like, uh, you know what? Uh, you know, there's like a kid with no arms and no legs, and uh, you know the, the the other kids knock on his door, and uh, you know the, the mother's like, "Oh hi," and he's like, "Hey, can Jimmy come out and play?" And the and the mother's like, "Oh, that's so nice. You guys are using him to to, to, to go out and play with." And like, "Oh no, we need a we need a second base. We're gonna use him for second base." Like that's the, you know, it's like these kind of <laughs> terrible, and they only go downhill. But um, why did I bring this up? Because of our youth, and because um, of some potentially. Uh Oh, inappropriate GI Joe yeah, name, yeah, guys. We're yeah. gonna go with. Um, so we're doing GI Joe, and this is in our first uh, uh, fair into GI Joe Sunbow. And tra- we did Transformers the movie. We did Transformers the movie, and, and then during Transformers the movie, we decided we pulled an audible. Because I think for a good half hour, Transformers the movie, we were talking about GI Joe. Yeah, so much about GI Joe and how they were related, <laughs> and we're like, you know what? We're gonna do. A, we're gonna do a, a, a double feature. We're gonna turn this off. We're gonna stay up even later. Watch. G.I. Joe, and then we came back and we watched G.I. Joe. came back the following episode. And we did G.I. Joe the movie. And that was maybe three years ago or so. That was near the beginning. Back in the old days. Back when our, our podcasts weren't even over an hour and a half. <laughs> back when they were they were coming in like an hour ten. Yeah, and we were like, we were exhausted at that point. Uh, I and was just recently did a guest spot on um, a podcast called Four, Brain, Four Brains, One Movie. And I did an episode of that, I don't know, last year where we they wanted to talk about George Romero's Martin. Okay. But uh, they Exclusively? 
Yeah, and then but there was only one of the regulars wasn't there, so it was really only three brains in one movie that time. But I just recently did one where they wanted to talk about Suspiria, so they asked me if I wanted to come on and talk about it because of the music and all. Dario Argento Suspiria, and uh, one of the uh, hosts is a is a girl that lives in I think Switzerland. She lives in Europe, and uh, her name's Frankie, and she had never she's never listened to our podcast and. Does she know. speak English? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Okay. She sounds. I ain't she translating this. Just... <clears throat> she doesn't even. I don't know if she's originally from here. I mean, oh. She sounds American. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Somehow I was explaining to her what the podcast was. I was like, and the, the, you know, they're they're pretty long. And she's like, oh well, with movie podcasts, I like them to be pretty short and concise. I was like, well, then maybe our podcast isn't for you. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gonna like this one then. Uh, but uh, the other two guys are. Dan and Bradley are they they enjoy our podcast from time to time. Bradley really loves our cruising episode. Yeah. And uh, Dan's a big fan of our Greystoke episode. Sweet, <laughs> which we just were talking last week with uh, Highlander. There can only be one podcast and there can only be one movie, Highlander. Um yeah, you know what it's our podcast does for the novice or someone who's unfamiliar with us or our podcast in general. It is kind of like a green eggs and ham kind of a thing where it's either people are into it or not, but for the most part all the people who listen to our podcast that we interact with online uh, seem to be completely head over heels with the length and say, you know, you know, length is only, you know, in your mind. Don't worry about how long it is. But then <laughs> length is, a, is, a, is a, <laughs> just a mind. Yeah, it's, it's just it's a it's a it's a, set, a, set, a state of mind. A state of mind. <laughs> so when I when I try to we, and we've said this before, when Blake and I our day jobs, the, you know, the ones that really keep us eating and keeps, uh, you know, a uh, roof over our Keep heads. the lights on. <laughs> yeah. When we're when we're doing. And we're trying to broach a subject. Oh, you got a podcast too? So does everybody. I was yeah. like, oh, that's good. And the market's saturated. I get a lot of that. Like, Jesus, and what do you do? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, well, yeah, everybody's got a podcast. So like, you know, and then when they hear like, Jesus, you have a they podcast. Look, they actually look it up. They're like, three and a half hours. Is this a mistake? <laughs> Is this three minutes? And I'm like, no, it's, it's actually our episode on, um, you know, on Raiders of the Lost Ark is twice the length of the movie. <laughs> And they're like, what the hell? Why would you possibly? And then you have to start defending. Well, you know, it's we talk about a lot of other things, and we will. Don't you get to the point? And geez, who's going to want to listen to two and a half to three hours? I'd talk? have to say, for the amount of time that we spend on something, I mean, I, this is a perfect example of us on a tangent, yeah, but dilly dallying. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to say that we, I, in my opinion, I think we spend a pretty good percentage. Of that length of time so on the if, actual topic. If we're doing if we're doing second grade fractions and we have a pizza in front of us <laughs> and we're cutting that pizza up into eighths, maybe like <clears throat> only two slices or maybe a slice is, is us uh, going on a tangent. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's one some, slice is tangent, one slice is dilly dally. <laughs> there's some episodes where we, you know, but they're usually the episodes where there's not a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, or like, we come in like with when a, we, <clears throat> like when we did a weekend of Bernie's. Yeah. I was like, really, how long can we talk about Weekend of Bernie's? So there's like a half... If there's two guys I can talk about <laughs> that you're going to challenge talking about Weekend of Bernie's, it's going to be these two guys right here in front of us. But in that one, there's like this half hour long tangent about like the way New York, York City is yeah. portrayed in an old movie. 80s and 70s movies to add a level of context so you can smell the... the, the so the, even the, most of our tangents, even are, a lot of our tangents are... 
semi-relevant. Yeah, 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 like they're relevant yeah. to the top. Or we'll start off with something completely like me talking about truly tasteless jokes and uh, bus rides yeah, in New York. Yeah, we tend to, we tend we'll to get off. a lot. We get a lot of that up front. Yeah, like the really and then we'll segue we'll off get, topic. We'll get on the highway and then we'll you know kind of go. Um, I like our podcast. Well, at least there's at least one of us does. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I do too. I think it's I think it's okay. It's, like it's, I, you know, in my opinion. We do the best movie podcast on on the web. I agree, but that's only. But I realize that's only because we do the movie podcast we'd want to listen to. Yeah, that's what they, they tell you. As a writer, they say write write for write something. Don't write for other people. Write something that you and your friends would laugh at, or whatever, or that you'd want to watch. See, so so when I try to listen to a lot of other movie podcasts. You start yelling at the, the. I just don't. I tend not to be that interested. Because, I try to because it's up. not our show, and it's, and it's not so much because it's not you and I talking, but we do the kind of show I would want to listen to, yeah. the, and and cover the kind of topics and the and the and the details about movies that I would want to listen to. And in full disclosure, as we're getting older, I have no time. I don't listen to any other things. I mean, I listen to music, but I'm I end up listening to our podcast so much because we're you know you you and I are editing it and we're putting all that extra flair post production in. Then we have to cut the negative yeah. in the negative room <laughs> with the with the white gloves yeah, so no no dust gets on the film. So uh, I don't have any other time to listen to anybody else, you know. And uh, you know I don't know. And like it's uh, it's not like I don't want to. It's just. I know, and now I'm embarking on my own podcast. Yes, you are, because uh, you put a book out. Because for some reason, Twenty One Pod Street never really took off. <laughs> well, it was put up. At Maybe a, it'll come back. And <laughs> Blake had a podcast for a minute, which is in hiatus. This is, it hasn't been canceled. No, it's yet. not canceled. It's yeah, just uh, it was, we took a, we, it's an extended break. Yeah, hopefully. and it was a it was a, a podcast Twenty One Pod Twenty One Pod Street on Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, we, co- we were covering every episode of Twenty One Jump Street, which off the myself off. and uh, Mighty Mike Vander. Yep, Chicago's own, and that was a, a very ambitious and, and uh, almost overwhelming. It was uh, a little yeah. to, to embark on us <laughs> to, to, to to nail down a lock we'll, a series, and we're going to go every episode. I know we only got like four or five episodes. But you're you're seeing this now. I'm seeing people who are doing. Um, I just saw on a Muppet fan site someone uh, a, a group of people doing the the entire Muppet movie, but they're doing two minutes. They're clocking it. So every two minutes is a new podcast, and they discuss what happens in that two minutes, which is, can you imagine us doing that with this podcast? Jesus. <laughs> We're doing two-hour podcasts. Well, I was just talking to a buddy of mine who for is, two minutes. has been listening to a Twilight Zone podcast, and apparently there are many Twilight Zone podcasts. Wow. But they do, like, one episode, and they've been going for, like, the guy's been doing it not as not as rigid of a schedule as you, you know, like, we do one every at least every other week. Yeah. Um, you know, t- there's been times where he'll go like two months without doing one, but he's been doing it for like eight years or something. <laughs> is, it, is it one guy just talking? Yeah, I think so. I don't. I haven't listened to. That's it. tough. That's like doing like uh, talk radio, or like being like one of those people, like a Rush Limbaugh, someone who just you're talking to a microphone by yourself. I mean, maybe he interviews other people. I don't yeah. know. I haven't listened to it, but you get into that of if you're going to be that specific about something. I mean, just doing a complete podcast series about one movie. I mean that's crazy, but doing an entire se- like six, five or six seasons, I think, as was the Twilight Zone. Uh, but uh, so uh, you know, you're, you're, as, as many of you know, a few years ago, I had a in 2016, I had a book come out called "Scored to Death: Conversations with Some of Horror's Greatest Composers," uh, where I interviewed 14 composers, for the most part, pretty in depth, like, and for the most part, for the all part, 
really heavy people. Yeah, a lot of you really know, talented. You weren't in, interviewing like stagehands and like you know <laughs> utilities operators. You're, you're interviewing no, some. I interviewed some some of the big guns that I covered mean, all the major horror movie franchises. I mean, you had some little people in there. You had a guy named John Carpenter. Yeah, I don't know who he is. You know, some, you know, a couple other, of people nobody people never heard yeah, of. Yeah, I don't know. But I decided that I really like doing the. I love doing it. Yeah. I mean, uh, ultimately, when the book was done, it was like I missed talking to. I love talking to creative people, and I've done a bit of that on our show. With the last year, I did some of the movie maker, uh, movie lovers, episodes. Um, I just love talking to people, especially creative people, about what they do, and and, and it was a great book, and I I fully. I don't get paid for this. <laughs> I'm not only a client. I'm, all, I'm I'm not a member. I'm also a client, baby. But uh, you, I fully say you should go out and get Blake's book because it's awesome and it's you can really learn something too. Hey, hey, hey. Well, thank you. But in the but because of uh, loving doing that uh, so much, loving doing actually doing the book was so so rewarding and and great. I've decided because of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, you know, I'm familiar with the podcasting format that I'm now doing a Saturday. I'm doing Scored to Death, the podcast. They could say Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Saturday <laughs> after Saturday matinee movie Mania. scorings. Yeah. No, uh, Scored to Death, the podcast. Yes. Um, and the first episode, I talked to Richard, first two episodes, I talked to Richard Band, who did uh, most of Stuart Gordon's movies, so Reanimator from Beyond. Uh, composer yeah he composed yeah. the music uh metal storm wow the destruction of jared sin 3d uh house up on sorority row a lot of really awesome movies so yeah yeah the idea of the podcast is that i'm continuing in very much the same format as the book for the most part i will sometimes interview people that are already in the book and, and in those cases we'll be diving more in depth about specific things that we only touched on in the book and then I might do other stuff, uh, like maybe some audio documentaries about specific topics where it's just me talking. But uh, so in addition to the massive workload that we have with Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Yeah, you're going to be now taking this on. I'm now going to be try attempting to tackle a whole new podcast called Scored to Death, the podcast. And for listeners, is that that's coming down the pike soon? By the time this, our, who knows, this by the time this episode hits the internet the one we're doing right now yeah. as we're speaking our first my first episode might already be up sweet so people should if be on not, the lookout and if not it'll be up shortly after this and then they can go either to our site like our facebook yeah, or sure to we'll check it out i'm sure we'll promote it and then you have scored to death at scored to death on twitter and facebook and also the new scored to death.com <laughs> that you can visit, yeah, to keep uh, to keep up on all my crazy score to death antics. That's good. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of cool. I'm trying to push the whole score to death thing again. Uh, like I wrote an article that will hopefully be in the March, uh, 2018 March April issue of Rumoric magazine. Sweet um, about Richard Band's score for Prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and some other things down the line. So I'm really trying to keep keep going. That's good. Sp- extend the score to death brand. Keep it going. Well, that you're certainly gonna now when you have a. It's like you have a franchise. They made the movie, which was the book, <laughs> and now you got a TV series, which yeah. is the podcast. Well, I'm gonna do the podcast, and then maybe who knows? Maybe a TV series or a movie down the line. We'll yeah, never know. He's like, one will never know. <laughs> um, so that's great. Yeah. So we're doing that here, and yeah, this can get kind of you know overwhelming with all the workload, you know. Um, 
we try to keep it interesting and try not to let it overtake our lives because sometimes there is a lot of pre-pro. I mean, it's funny when you think about how much pre-pro you can you do for a movie, but sometimes we like to come at these with... Uh, sometimes we'll read a whole book. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes we will get into uh, physical altercations with our loved ones because we're, we're spending too much time in a room doing info of this thing. But it's like we try to have an angle to come at because, you know... I'm sure a lot of people have talked about the movies we cover uh, on other other forms, podcasts, books, magazines. So we try to have a different kind of, yeah. a, you try know, to bring the sleepoverness to to the uh, to our listeners. <laughs> the patented, trademarked sleepoverness of buckets of pizzas, jolt, mega jolt colas, mm, and uh, sleepover stars. Mm. So today we're doing uh, GI Joe. We're doing Arise, Serpento Arise, which ends up being the. Uh, Opener for season two of G.I. Joe, yes. the series. Um, for season two. Now, what's crazy to think about is, uh, you know, we can go way down the alley and talk about the, uh, the the toys. Because basically there's, and I'm sure they did, they must have done this in the prior to the 80s. But the 80s was really the time, in my opinion, for... Uh, you know, half hour long commercials to sell toys, which were the all the week, all the Saturday morning and weekday afternoon. And it's <laughs> cartoons that we watched as children. Yeah, and it seems like uh, again we 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 threw in this little surprise last month, December twenty seventeen. We did a little known movie, which I don't know why you wanted to do it, but people, you think people will take an interest in this, this movie called Star Wars? <laughs> so we did we did yeah, an episode yeah. on Star Wars, and we talked about how that just completely changed the scene of things in the late 70s and aside from all the stuff we talked about in the podcast that it did for movies and music yeah. and everything it also changed the scene for toys making and, and they finally realized after some false attempts prior to it that yes if done right you can actually completely market things to children in such a way that they will buy the crap out of it <laughs> and i think that was where yeah. uh, a lot of our 80s uh love for TV shows, be it boy or girl stuff, became just half hour or hour long or 23-minute commercials sure. for products for us to buy. And my point was that um, before I got sidetracked with that it's a commercial was that, you know, you, it's hard to put into context that, like, really the G.I. Joe that we think of when we think about G.I. Joe yeah. as a show was only two seasons. Uh, that's amazing. Because it was every... Freaking afternoon. Yeah, five days a week. <laughs> so the first season, if you add the two, because they did, they did in a, 83 and 84, they did f like five-part miniseries. Yeah, they did like a pilot, which was like the... It the, was the yeah, it was, the, it was called G.I. Joe, the Real American Hero. But the Rise been, of Cobra, which is about the weather dominator. And that's the second one, which yeah. is 84. is called the, the Rise or Revenge of Cobra, or Rise of Cobra. And then... So they picked up the sh the six based on the success of those two. Then they picked up for starting in '85, a first season of GI Joe. Now the first season of GI Joe was 55 episodes. Yeah. So that when you added the 10 episodes that they already aired, which was those two five-part miniseries, yeah. you got a total of 65 episodes, which then could be syndicated. Yeah. Um, There's a minimum to hit syndication, I guess. Yeah. Second season, I think, is only like 30 episodes. Yeah. But if you add that all together, but, you get about 95 I mean, you episodes. Think, you figure like a, in the 80s, back when TV, you know, when that season was a season yeah. of television, that was like 22, anywhere between 22 and 25 episodes for a regular show. Yeah. So, uh, and even, then you, then even, you rerun in the first even season. At, even at the shorter 
length of 30 episodes for G.I. Joe, that's still more episodes than a regular show would get, like a regular weekly yeah. show. But to think that the... And then that culminates <clears throat> with a with a movie that was going to be released theatrically, but then went straight to video that we kind of covered, yeah. G.I. Joe, the movie in 87. Uh, so it's just crazy to think, you know, when uh, you look back, at least when I look back, and it was like, when they started coming out on DVD... Yeah. Uh... And be like, really? There's only two seasons. <laughs> but then you look at it because you like, feel like it was. Because then, sure, there was the whatever the 95 episodes. Yeah. But then they, you would watch them over and over again. Yeah. You know, they would just re-air them all the time. So it just seemed seemed like my entire childhood was taken up by GI Joe, watching GI Joe, and it was. But I was really only watching about you know a year and a half to two years worth of show episodes and that's it's amazing because you think it's so much longer i mean um there's also they did see i'm not so much of my gi joe lore uh as there's a lot of esper- experts out there but they did do stuff to promote the the comic and toys they did shorts that you can find on youtube that well that's how it in. started so let's let's take the way back machine uh very quickly. So we travel back to the 60s. Yeah, you get a guy named Stan Weston. In 1963, he's a Manhattan licensing agent, and he has this great idea of making these prototype toys, uh, like robot, you know, like uh, dolls that are 12 inches. And he goes to this guy named... He's like, why can't we make Barbies for boys? Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> you can't call them dolls because boys won't play with dolls. So he goes to a guy... Uh, Named Donald Levine, who's a Hasbro executive, and he and he he, he pitches. Well, he pitches the he goes to Hasbro. He has this idea from army army action figures. Army, they're not called action figures. Army dolls. Yeah. So he goes the first place. The first stop is Hasbro, and he's got four of them. They're going to be four photo prototypes, which are going to branch the four services. He's going to have an Air Force guy. He's going to have an Army guy. He's going to have a Navy guy, and he's going to have an Air Force guy, and he's eventually going to have a nurse. There's some conjecture. With I guess what's online and what's in like I just watched recently. There's an interesting uh, series on Netflix right now called the uh, The Toys That Made Us, and there's an episode about GI Joe. Uh, and at least the way they describe it is this guy uh, Stan Weston, is yeah. that his name? he goes to Hasbro and he pitches the idea to uh, Merrill Hasenfeld, ha- which okay. is where Hasbro comes from. That has, I guess it was brothers that started the company. And he, at this point, Merrill is the head of Hasbro. He pitches the idea to Hasbro, and Merrill's like, no, we're not making toys. Yeah. At that point, their biggest, their big seller was Mr. Potato Head. But not even with the plastic body, just like the pieces that you would yeah. plug into an actual You have to, you have to get your own potato. <laughs> potato sold separately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go to the local farm. Uh, and Merrill's like, no, we don't, we don't, we're not doing dolls. Uh, but they're not dolls. <laughs> and uh, so they turn him down. Now, Don Levine, who's Dion's talking about, he was head of development uh, at Hasbro at the time. And he likes the idea. Yeah. He sees promise in it. And he says to him, quote, you'll make a fortune with these. <laughs> and uh, so Merrill goes on vacation for two weeks. Oh. So Don goes to the team and says, Merrill's on vacation. Two weeks. We have two weeks to get a campaign to like really show them what's up. Yeah. Uh, and show them like how we can do this. Now, um, so Don Levine, he, he gets the Hasbro guys together. They get one of the guys from Hasbro. He's like, go down to like the, uh, the, what's the, what are the weekend warrior army guys called? The, the, the federal reserve or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like the reserve. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the reserve national guard, national guard yeah. reserve guy. Go down to their thing. Bring back a bunch of fucking weapons. <laughs> 
<laughs> real weapons. So they load the car. He goes there, loads the cars with like machine I guns. I love this is the early 60s. So like, sure, just sign them out. <laughs> you need bullets too? No, we're good. Okay. Just bring them back by five. So they bring them in. So then they, they mold like little, yeah. you know, toys and they make a, they make a mock-up guys. Uh, Levine's walking by a, uh, uh, an art shop. Yeah. And he sees like the artist mannequin dolls. Oh, the people, all, the articulate, yeah, yeah the wooden all, ones or whatever. So they buy those. Yeah. And then they like put like Ken heads on them. And Very they, they dress them up in army stuff. And so they come up with this big pitch. Cause, uh, and also Levine's an, he's, a, he's an army vet. Yeah. But he saw the promise of this idea. So by the time Merrill gets back from vacation, he's like, okay, where are we at? Like, what have we, what have we been working on? What's the new Mr. Potato Head? <laughs> So Levine says, this is what we got. And he's like, I thought I'd turn down this idea. He's like, I'm telling you, this is worth um, looking into. So some of they create a pitch that sells Merrill on the idea. So then they're like, all right, let's do it. Call up fucking Weston. They call up Weston. Weston comes Stan in. Weston. The guy who kind of came up with the, the initial idea. Um, and Weston gets offered. He could take one or two deals. He could sell, he could, he, they would give him $50,000 and a 1% royalty. That's 1963 money. Yeah. Shitload of money still. Or $100,000 flat. Yeah. Six, 1963 money. It's like a million dollars. And unfortunately for Stan, and he never fucking, and he regrets it for the rest of his life, he takes the $100,000 flat, no yeah. royalty. Well, because he doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah, there's nobody's even heard of. I mean, we talked about this before. Stars on television shows aren't even getting royalties at this point. So, you know, no one ever so has that fourth thing. He, uh, he's out. <laughs> Exit Stan Weston. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stan. Uh, so, really, even though the initial uh, idea comes from Stan Weston, it's really Don Levine who takes the ball and runs with it, has the vision for the product line. And he's the one, according to this documentary, he's the one that says, uh, okay, but if we're going to put it out, we can't leave any loose ends for other toy companies to kind of yeah. pick it up. And so then, that's why they decide to go with one for each branch of the army. Okay. So that like some other toy company can't do like the Navy one. Yeah, the Marvel. Yeah, so yeah. they do one for each. They decide to do a female. Because um, the original the original prototypes they came up with over that weekend, they have a Rocky guy, which is a Marine soldier, Skip, which is a sailor, and Ace, which is a pilot. And then... As you said, that they, they narrow it down. We get about three or four. And, they, and this is rudimentary in the 60s. They're about 12-inch figures. I mean, you know, again, they don't want to call them dolls because at the time only girls would play with dolls. So it becomes so an then action they, figure. They create, so G.I. Joe is the first action figure. They, they, they patented, so, they registered trademark America's Movable Fighting Man. Is it becomes a patent registered by Hasbro. So they decide, they create, they're like, nobody in this company is ever going to call us a doll. Yeah. This is what they are action figures, and that's it. Gets back to marketing, <laughs> right? If it's, you get, if we hear the word doll in this, <laughs> you're fired. Get out of here. <laughs> that was the secretary. <laughs> and so, even though uh, technically Stan Weston is the father of G.I. Joe, really, G.I. Joe, uh, as they knew it then and as we know it now would not exist if it wasn't for kind of the uh, the vision of Don Levine. No. So in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, Don Levine's also the father. Yeah. He's the mother. It's the mother and the father. <laughs> it's, it's, Stan, it's Stan Weston by way of Don Levine. Uh, 
pause you for we go back the origin of the name G.I. Joe of course there's a uh, a movie from the, maybe the late 40s or early 50s with I think Burgess Meredith and R- Robert Mitchum called G.I. Joe but the term G.I. Joe comes from uh, the G.I. traditionally means either government issue or general issue but it also refers to a, a term called galvanized iron because in the early 20th century, uh, the military would stamp on either um, military buckets or trash bins GI because it was made out of the material galvanized iron. So people think that's where you get GI from. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get the term GI Joe. And it en- ends up becoming um, you know, the term used for like grunts. Yeah. And then we, they adopt Hasbro in the 60s. Hasbro like, adopts know. it because I believe Don Levine... They were trying to figure out what they were going to call them. Yeah. And Don Levine's watching television, and they are showing the Robert Mitchum movie, G.I. Joe. He's like, there you go. He's like, there you go. <laughs> right there. Perfect <laughs> name Governor issue, uh, general issue, you know, that, and that's a great name. And then they come up with this thing, and it's it's interesting that uh, uh, we have, th- that becomes. We have to imagine also the time of the, 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 the you know, it's the early 60s this happened. So it's right before Vietnam. 63 is when Weston pitches the idea. 60. Uh, the toy line launches in 64, but, uh, you know, we had just, World War II had just happened, you know. Yeah. You had the Cowboys and um, Indians crazed the 50s along with the sci-fi. But and, also, you know. like, what was on TV all, all the time were, like, war picture, like, rerunning war pictures, war types. Uh, programming and yeah. then like the cowboys and Indians and the side and then like, the but so the we're, we're in a time where uh, everybody's still very patriotic and there's the show combat with Vic Morrow which I think could be around this time that ran for a bunch of seasons that's on that's very hugely popular about plus you know II. even like you know you got the comics all the war comics and stuff you know yeah. it, was, it was a time when you know everybody was very yeah, you know they were heroes. I mean, yeah. these people came back from you know, World War II heroes. They saved the world, you know, and people were thankful for that. But um, times change, and then you get into <laughs> you get into uh, the sixties. Vietnam starts, and you know everyone knows the the problems with what happens with the Vietnam War and the American. Then you know the kids, uh, the the um, peace and love movement starts to happen. Yeah, the what do you call the baby boomers? They start getting up and they're rejecting what their parents do. So then. Uh, Hasbro's like shit you know they want to try to kind of de-emphasize the military aspect yeah the war military aspect and try to make it more adventure you know so they kind of now then they 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 downplay the war themes because of Vietnam and they they bring it they start calling it the adventures of G.I. Joe which we get into the 70s with and it's like an adventure team team. yeah Yeah. exactly and then at the same time but also it is worth noting that really, because there was only four figures, really, like, they were going with a Barbie, at that time, going with a Barbie-type sales strategy, which is you buy the figure, but then we sell you, sh- like, the different the clothes, outfits, yeah. like, all the accessories. They were really trying to make money on all the accessories. And there is some play sets, but I think, or, like, vehicles, but I think it's very, you know, very minimal yeah. at this time. You know, I don't think there's anything. Uh, across the seas in the United Kingdom, they have this company called uh, Palatoy. And they were they eventually come up with Action Man, who people across the sea uh, across the pond knows that's their version of GI Joe. So in the seventies, um, Palatoy, if I'm pronouncing that right, um, they're the ones who start coming up with these uh, innovations where you have the lifelike flock of hair and beard on the one guy. Uh, they come up with the kung fu grip, uh-huh. you know, uh, because it's pliable, kind of a plastic. Yeah, it's the hard basically plastic. a joint in the middle of the hand that would allow them to hold on to things. They're able to, you know, have two versions of uh, 
of one, you know, they have a an African American adventurer who has like one bearded or not bearded, clean shaven. So they're coming up with, with at the time. I mean, it sounds rudimentary now, but that's pretty innovating to have a guy. Even Barbies, I mean, a Barbie had hair, but Ken's until recently only had that plastic. You <laughs> yeah, know? It's so, molded. Yeah, so it's molded pretty cool to have. So then you have those innovations where they're doing like there's another that the because the, the kung fu grip was because in the mid seventies. You know, everybody Bruce Lee's was, out. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so, which could be racist now. Sorry. Um, so, you know, they were capitalizing the popularity of that. In 76, they, they go, they try, they do this thing called eagle eye vision where you can like look through the back of the head, you yeah. know, of the guy and you they can see. They had all kinds of things. They had ones where there was a switch on the back of the head and his eyes would go back and forth. Crazy. It was like eagle eye edition. Yeah. You know, and then, then, and then also they had like, you know, they had ones where like one was a safari guy. One would go. They had like a, a astronaut in like a little tin can that would go to the moon, and you know he was Major Tom. And then you had like all these different. So they were doing all various kind of like the snow guy, and you know they were basically like adventure, all shit you could do, you know, around on the earth or, or yeah. above the earth, and then <laughs> over land and air <laughs> and foam. And then in uh, about seventy five or seventy six, you know, uh, Hasbro tries to license Six Million Dollar Man. They're not able to, so they kind of make up a guy called Mike Power and Adam Man. Also, by this point, you had Mego. Yeah, Mego starts coming out you with know, stuff. There was competition for in the in the action figure market. And then, seventies, the like we said, uh, Kenner comes out. Star Wars comes out, and Kenner licenses Star Wars, and they have what is it like three point seven? Point seven five, just under four inches. There is the three, three and a third, three and three third inch. Yeah. Yeah. So that is becomes the bar. Three, for, three fourths. I'm sorry, not three. Three, three yeah. thirds is one. I don't be four inches. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a uh, thirteen inches high. <laughs> so um, what ends up happening is, um, you know, Star Wars comes out, and I believe there is like a story, and I could be wrong, but I believe there's a story where they initially go to Hasbro. And say like, hey, we want to market. Do you want to do Star Wars? And Hasbro like, we got GI Joe. Like, we don't need that shit. Well, I wonder if they were like, you and know, they, got, they turned it down, so they went. They to were Kenner. thinking like, they, I wonder if G- Hasbro was looking at like, you know, they're gonna be making foot high. Yeah, you know, which the Mego, yeah, which they did make. You know, they did make like tall versions of, of you know, like Han Solo and yeah, and also they did when Mego was big because Migos are about what eight or ten inches high. They did make versions of. Uh, of guy, I forget the name of the line, but Hasbro did make GI Joe-ish versions that were Amigo size, so mm-hmm. they were scaling down. But because Has uh, Kenner comes out with Star Wars and that's huge, uh, they discontinue the line of the twelve-inch guys. And then in 1982, it's so successful watching Kenner's Star Wars, yeah, they well, basically. Yeah, so 78, they stopped making GI Joe guys, the twelve inches, the twelve, the regular twelve inch. Yeah. Uh, and so they stop in 78. Now, you know, a couple years later, we're in the early 80s, and G- and uh, Star Wars guys are spanking the, every other t- company in the toy industry. Stop that. It's huge. Of course. And we talk a little bit about it in our Star Wars a little episode. Bit. There's so much we didn't get to. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so Kenner's, I mean, so Hasbro's like, it's the early 80s now. They're like, what are we going to do? To compete with Kenner, we got they got the Star Wars guys. Well, you have a guy, uh, Larry Hama. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, but that's not until they actually start making the. He did Larry Hama did the did the comics. 
Oh, okay. Because I he I hear pitches because he's kind of wor- working with Marvel to do a kind of a uh, a Nick Shield like kind of do a, a a thing called Fury Force, and he pitches an idea where he said, "Let's take a group of guys and let's have um, this is happening." Uh, uh, with Marvel, and he's saying, you know, we'll have Nick Fury, who's the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., his son uh, assembles an elite team of commandos to fight neo-Nazis that are called Hydra, but Marvel turns it down. But then he ends up dusting that idea, that concept off when he finds out that Hasbro is deciding to relaunch this toy line size down. Yeah. So he goes to Marvel, and he's like, hey, you know, if if you can get in touch with Hasbro, maybe we can make some sort of deal. We can promote their line and we can, you know, make our own comics. And, well, and from the Hasbro point of view. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's, there's more than one side to every story. Hasbro point of view is the early 80s happened. They don't know how to compete with Star Wars. Uh, so they somebody pitches, let's do G.I. Joe again. Uh, but we'll, you know, so they go out and they want to do a pitch to now Merrill's not running the company anymore, but his son Steve uh, Hasenfeld is playing, uh, Hasenfeld is, is running the company now. And so they go and they buy a bunch of chips action figures from Mego. Sweet. And they dress them up in army garb, and but they pitch the idea of, uh, and there'll be that kind of articulation. Okay. You know, a little more artic- they'll make, we'll make our figures a little more articulated than, so we'll just shrink down our GI Joe. So they're amigo size. Well, that was point. how they pitched it. I mean, yeah. that's how that that's like was like the prototype. But the idea was to make them smaller, smaller. But, but gonna, because they didn't want to actually make that size to pitch it, they were like, "This it'll be this, but it'll be like Star Wars." And size. then they're going to one up Kenner and Star Wars by you're saying do more points of articulation yeah. in the body because the Star Wars guys were only shoulder, shoulder, and, hips, and the head swivel. Yeah, which so it was only kinda... like five part five points of articulation. So they go and uh, they pitch GI Joe to uh, Steve Hassenfeld, and Hassenfeld's like. There's, you're not giving me anything. You're like, why? Like, why would kids uh, buy this? And the reason why they want to pitch the G.I. Joe again is because now Vietnam's ended. It's the early 80s. You know, we have... the, the pe- People are getting more patriotic for America again. Yeah. You have, you know, like the, the Winter Olympics where the Americans... You know, it's the cold... You know, it's... I don't... I would, I'm always fascinated. I, I would love to research, like, why did the Cold War become so big again in the 80s i think it has to do with reagan comes in and and there was a stagnant economy uh, uh, an economy in the 70s with all that we talk about with all that kind of thing carter in there you know you had the hostage crisis when reagan got elected the next day they released those hostages for like that i think is that argo or somebody maybe you're that 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 the movie yeah talks about so you know that the revigorment of that, and then yeah. like in you know, all this pro America. And then back you have, again. like I said, you had the America, the USA Olympic hockey team beat Russia. It's also and hockey. It's it's you know everything cyclical. So you have probably you know everybody was going through like oh America sucks in the sixties into the seventies, and then now people are like hey you know America isn't that bad you know let's you know and then you have a a Republican president who comes in and says no let's support America and then like you know and here's you always need an enemy or someone to look. At, uh, you know, and it's, hey, this is communism's bad. And then, yeah. you know, that helps, you know, movie plots. That helps sell uh, tickets for Olympics. That helps sell toys, <laughs> you know, so all this. So Steve Hassenfeld says, look, you guys aren't giving me anything. But instead of saying no, he says, come back in two weeks with, like, 
a pitch as to why kids are going to buy this. That's stressful. So uh, they go off, and this is, uh, let's see, I got my notes here. So Bob Krupas and Kirk Bazigian, Bazigian, they're like the senior VP and the VP of Boys Toys at Hasbro. So they go and they get a group of guys. They get uh, Ron Dudat, who they say start designing guys. So he starts drawing the figures. and So they start putting together this idea of what... Like, why, what they're actually going to be and why they're going to sell it. So they're trying to think, like, you know, they don't have Star Wars. You know, Star Wars had a movie. Yeah. So the figures were, the kids knew who the figures were. Yeah. Uh, they don't have, G.I. doesn't have a movie. It doesn't have a TV show. And another reason. It, does, it doesn't even have a comic book. And another reason to scale this down is is if you get it down to the size of Kenner Star Wars, you can then have more play sets, more vehicles. It's much more economical for them to be able to gear out stuff as opposed to having... 12, I mean, can you imagine us if they never scaled them down? We'd be playing with Barbie-sized. <laughs> I mean, that'd be awesome, yeah, yeah. which they did in the late 90s. Remember they had yeah, those, brought them back, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. But it'd be pretty awesome. But they're like, it's much more economical. You could have, four, you know, forts, play sets, battle, you know. So so they say, well, you know, like, oh, we need something that'll tell the kids who these people are. So they decide, like, hey, let's go to Marvel and see if they'd be interested in doing a... Uh, comic book series but also a very important thing about this decision is at the time to market toys if you had a 30 second commercial spot only something like seven seconds of a toy commercial could be an animate could be animated and then the rest of the commercial like the 23 seconds rest of the 20 had to be the toy or the kid play yeah kid yeah. playing with a so th- there was this restriction i don't know who's putting this restriction on on toys which is self-imposed we're only gonna do seven (laughs) seconds so they go to marvel and marvel says we'll do it and it'll be the first time we will advertise comic books on tv on television yeah and because comic books are not a toy we can have the whole commercial be animated holy it can be a 30 second cartoon look at that for gi joe comics yeah which is a commercial for your toys and then you have what's his face in the background uh, Larry uh, Larry Hamill was like, hey, he stands up. remember what I said last month about Nick Fury? Fuck it. We're going to call it G.I. Joe. And they're like, all right. So they go back to Steve Hassenfeld and they say, here's what it is. And <laughs> what it is. And we're going to advertise and we're going to have a comic book series. And he's like, well. Holy poops. Why do I care about that? He's like, because we can animate the whole fucking commercial and the commercial is going to have this. And they put in a fucking tape. Dun 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 dun. Lose your Five for freedom. There's trouble. Yeah, Joe was there, and people are crying. After that, that guy's like, "That's beautiful." And supposedly, Steve Hasenfeld says, "Word." I'm gonna go discuss this with my father. And he gets up and leaves. Apparently, this is the story. and they're all sitting there like, "What the fuck?" Like his dad's dead. Like. So apparently the story was he went to his dad's grave and said, we got it. G.I. We're gonna, G.I. Joe's going to fucking be huge. He's still consulting his dad. And we're not going to call it dolls, dad. We're going to call them action figures. And so then they green light it. Okay. So 82. 80, 82, they green light it. Unfortunately, well, even like 81, uh, 
they come up with the idea. They want to do it, but then Empire Strikes Her Back comes out. And th- strikes her back. <laughs> a vampire just strikes her back, and it comes out. And and they're like, oh, well, like, we can't launch a new series. Against. Against. So they decide to wait. So they continue to develop. So Empire so, comes out in 80. The toys and everything, the craze is 80, 81. Yeah. They launch in 82. They decide to wait till 82, but then in doing that, they develop more characters. They end up coming up with the little file cards which, on the yeah, back with, of the thing. Which, which are named Larry um, Larry Hammers writing all these things. He's writing all these things. Goes to, but the Larry Hammers at Marvel trying to do the comic book. And he's like, well, who are they fighting? Yeah. Like, what are they doing? We just can't, can't have G.I. Joe guys. So the first on. thing is they're like, let's have them fight Soviets. And they're like, <laughs> well, that might not be too PC because then it puts yeah. people in a bad light. You know, we could have it be kind of Soviets, but that might be culturally insane. And but also Hasbro's like, bad guys. No kid's going to want to buy bad guys. Their idea is that, like, we'll sell them the G.I. Joe guys. Their G.I. Joe guys will fight every other toy they have. No, and they, they're like, no, but, we need <laughs> to have good versus evil. <laughs> but Larry Ham is like, but I can't have them fighting, like, you know, Darth Vader. And I got to say, as a kid who still plays with toys uh that is i nothing more um galling to me is to buy uh any toy you can think of and then not have a bad guy to play with against you know it's yeah, like yeah. How, how i mean that's fun you have like whatever the superhero or whoever is but you if you don't have a foil yeah you need something you, you to, at least two like the like cops the cops fighting, fighting crime in the future time yeah, yeah i had, two, they had the crooks i had two figures i had like the i had well bad guy and a good guy who do you remember i had the the cop Long the patrolman car with the thing, because he came with a little scooter. The patrolman car that came with this. Well, he's not patrolman cop that came with like he was like the bike. He was like oh the, the bike mo- guy highway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. I had him because he actually came with like a little vehicle. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't as cool as it was on the show. But yeah, it was like a little something. And then the the blonde guy with the Berserko. Berserko. Yeah, yeah those right, are the two I had. Yeah. You need at least two. You need someone to fight. Yeah, of course. So some guy at Marvel's like, well, we'll just uh, we'll have him fight uh, Cobra. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, okay. So they go to Hasbro and like, we want them to fight Cobra. And they're like, all right. And then so they tell the Ron Rudet, who had been designing all this stuff. He's at, he's at Hasbro. He's at Hasbro and he designs the Cobra logo. Okay. And so the first line of the G.I. Joe guys are what, like 12 yeah, Joes, a- like Cobra Commander and of like the... The Cobra Guard, maybe. And, the Cobra, and like the one Cobra Guard guy. Now, uh, what's interesting, a little bit of tid, tidbit of trivia is, they're like, we want to cry the... We, it's an expensive line. We're betting the whole farm on this thing. It's an expensive line to, to actually manufacture these guys. So They're, they're just, pretty involved if you think about taking them apart. So they decide, like, we could take less... We could make them less detailed... And make all of them less detailed, or we could make one that has like no detail, and that's how Snake Eyes comes about. <laughs> to save money, they make one guy that they don't have to paint, <laughs> and he's just he's you know he's got basically no detail. It's just it's the mold, and they just use black plastic. They don't have to paint him or anything. So Snake Eyes was invented specifically so that Hasbro could save money. So it could have like one guy that is fucking dirt cheap, which would then kind of lessen the cost of the whole series together. Yeah. So Snake Eyes, who becomes like the most famous, most loved character in G.I. Joe lore, yeah. Becomes he's he's only exists so that they can they can save a few pennies per fucking figure in the long run and then in, in at this time in england their license is action man and that's basically gi joe over there it's, it's action man and it becomes action force 
which is interesting because I remember um, being over there for Christmas and watching one of these uh, specials that are on at Christmas time, like the, you know, the countdown of the best toys you got as a kid. And they're showing like all the best toys, like Teddy Rockspin, all the English toys uh, from the 80s. And they have, they're showing the commercials and they show this commercial I remember seeing for Action Man or Action Force. And I'm like, what the hell is this? This looks freaking awesome. And it's all GI, it's basically just GI Joes because you can't have them American fight, you know, yeah. American forces. So they just rejuried it and called it Action Man over there. So and it works perfectly. So they come up with this uh, and then uh, eventually, you know, the merchandise for G.I. Joe, you get end up getting posters, T-shirts, video games, board yeah. games, kites. Uh, remember oh, the everything. remember the bed you'd have yeah, like the, the bed tent, the yeah. bed tent. You know what I mean? Like, remember the we we talked about. Do you own the board game? I have the board game. Yeah, yeah. I thought you had the board game, and you could plug in the G.I. Yeah. Joe figure. <laughs> he had like the little cardboard cutouts, which was like what was on the cover of the box. Yeah, like the beautiful painted art on the box when you would get them. Yeah, like the cardboard backs. Uh, they would cut those out, and then you would slide them in, just little cardboard cutouts, or as your pleasure, or the stand had a peg, so you could. For the guys you had, you could take out the cardboard thing and put and use your GI Joe guy. Throw it over your head, <laughs> throw it over your shoulder. But so you know, and if you watch some of these commercials for the comic books, it's the fucking show. Yeah, yeah. Pre-show. Yeah. So it's like, and a lot of them, if you weren't of the, it's yeah. got the, it's got the song. I yeah. Mean, some of the, some of them have the early ones have different lyrics. But if you, if you are uh, old enough to remember that, you only remember like us, the show. Yeah. It's that's like finding. Uh, I'm going to say like cosmic gold to find these older things that were like 30 second long, you know, uh, these little mini adventures is yeah. freaking amazing. And then the comic comes out from Marvel. Marvel runs it. I think it runs the comic runs until 94 when the line gets discontinued. So there's maybe like 155 issues for the comic. I think it is. And, uh, the comic gets, they dive in and they're a little more grittier and it's a little more, they're able to do a little more because, well, they can have them shoot, Bad guys. Yeah, they the can, people can kind of die, and they can have that, you know, because the problem with what ends up happening with the cartoon is they end up having... Um, Everybody's got the worst aim ever. Yeah, they need to have, <laughs> they need to have like, a lot of punching and fighting, physical fights, and uh, high-tech weaponry and stuff, um, uh, because that will compensate, because they needed to tone the violence down, lack of bullets, and also, the, at the end, they add on the PSAs, because yeah. they can't be it just be a bloodbath for the entire half hour. <laughs> They need to have, hey, at the end, we'll, you know, we'll throw a PSA on, a, um, a public service announcement. One of the Joes will say, like, you know, you can't be, you know, uh, huffing paint in the garage. Yeah. You got to open the window. You know? Or <laughs> that nose, the nosebleed one. The nosebleed you one. Can't, don't be jumping your bike over a live the power, wire. Power line. Yeah, don't touch that. <laughs> Go get a piece of wood. Now we know. Or you fall into the water. Do a scissor technique. And that way, you know, oh, Jesus, that's going to all these little things that we still remember today. Yeah. It's almost like. I still don't put my, whenever I got a nosebleed, you which doesn't head. happen very often. But I won't put my head back because you, you don't pinch it. You hold, you hold it. You pinch it for ten seconds. And I'll tell you, every time I'm spray painting, I always keep a window open because you always if, open the garage door. Yeah, if I'm huffing some paint, I always keep that the garage door I'm open. I'm getting dizzy. Yeah, <laughs> lifeline. <laughs> um, so you have. I mean, that's like. Uh, remember, they used to have what we showed in the beginning of maybe the Roger Rabbit podcast we did last year. Is remember the the Looney Tune PSAs? Yeah, yeah. Where like you know the the danger danger around the house. You know, keep the freaking pot uh, handle in so the kid can't walk by with scalding water. Don't pull electric cord out. You know, all that kind of, like, dumb stuff, but it's stuff that needs to be said. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, like, these PSAs compensate for the 
violence. So when we're little, we're watching. We're like, what the hell's going on? There's late. There's blue and red lasers. Now we know. No one's half the battle. There's people. You know, every time a, uh, someone a, a plane blows up, you see someone. They always be able to par- parachute out. Yeah, no one yeah. ever ends up dying. Um, there's. I don't think there's any blood until the movie. Uh, so everyone's able to survive. But then, I mean, this is a little off track. But when we get to the Rambo cartoon, which is like I don't know, maybe eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight. I mean, they were shooting real bullets. I remember that. That was amazing. You see, like shell casings fall on the floor. Like they were like, "Fuck it, we're only gonna have a limited run with this Rambo cartoon. Let's just go balls out." You know, let's have Rambo's him fighting. Not gonna live. For, I'm gonna be popular for it. Yeah, let's have him fighting Russians, and we're gonna have him fight. You know, so. Uh, the show comes out and getting but, back to where we started. But it's basically the, because those car- the commercials for those comic books were so awesome, they decide to greenlight a five-part miniseries, half-hour-long uh, episodes written by uh, Ron Friedman, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. And so that's the first one. That's 83. In 84, they do The Rise of Cobra, which, which is the or, or weather domino, which is the, the weather dominator. That's the weather dominator one. Also written by Ron Friedman. And then based on uh, kind of the success of those, they greenlight the series. And the first season of the series. And this becomes a uh, uh, a regular thing for them. They do these five-parters. Um, my favorite they of the... They launched, f- I believe they launched the first season with another five-parter. And that's what I was going to say. My favorite five-parter is The Pyramid of Darkness, which I, in, in researching this, uh, ends up being the, the first five episodes of the f- season one, where... In that, um, you know, it's, it's one of these plots where there's these cubes and Cobra's trying to position them around the world. When they turn them on, it'll form a grid, which will kind of like block the sun. Very much like the episode of The Simpsons where what's this Montgomery Burns is trying to block the sun from Springfield. So, but in it, uh, it's another way of introing characters. You, you get, they meet Alpine and Bazooka. They meet Quick Kick. Uh, I'm sure they meet a bunch of Cobras in it, but you, you know, they, or they might even meet like um, Shipwreck. You know, so it's like they, you know, they walk in like, hey. yeah, let's go. He's a crazy bitch. You know, so it's like they meet all. And then like with the Rise Serpentor, that's uh, intro season two. You know, you have a whole um, freaking plethora of characters that get intro. It almost, you almost. Yeah, it's the first delirium. Three minutes of the show. Yeah. Like, hey. Hey, Beachhead. Hey, Flint. Hey, you know, General Hawk. Yeah, hey. The order of command is General Hawk, then Duke, then me, who's Flint, and then you, Beachhead. <laughs> well, I'm going to change that later, Motherfuckers. <laughs> He's really stepping on line there. So, uh, and then the Marvel comics, uh, there was a G.I. Joe comic strip in the 40s called uh, Private uh, Berger or Burger. And then that, they end up uh, bringing that back in the 80s with the comic book series. Like we said, it runs 155 issues. It ends in 1994 when they discontinue the, the, the toy franchise. And it's so popular at the time, they do launch a second uh, line called G.I. Joe Special Missions. And I had all these. And uh, I have them all now, and just it's fun reading them because it is get they get a little more in the weeds. Uh, they're able to like since it's long form ex- expand on these stories a little more. You learn more about stuff, and it's a little darker. The tone and the yeah. you know people are dying. Uh, I mean, we'll get into. I read for this the two parter for the uh, that correspond the creation of Serpentor in the comics issue forty nine and fifty. And uh, issue 50 has a pretty fucked up scene in it, which we'll get to in a little while. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's the tone. It's like, wow, this is going to really scar a child. Like, yeah. you know. So I remember specifically really loving the cartoon, uh, the, the comic because it would explore sure. you know, more the, the, the ins and outs and stuff and have it be a little more gritty and dirty, which I mean, they're upholding a code, but you know, maybe people aren't paying too much attention. You yeah, know? yeah. So 
we get fifty five episodes of the show for season one, and that's a that's a pretty. And then, like you said, if you tag on the first two miniseries, that's a total of sixty five yeah. episodes. So that's what eighty five. And then you hit 86, they do season two, and they do, what, 35 maybe? They do like 30. I think it's 30. So at some point during season two, this guy named Buzz Dixon comes on as, I think, assistant story editor. And basically his main contribution was he was in the Army for like six years. And when he came on, you know, like none of those guys had it. And I think none of the guys writing for G.I. Joe had any (laughs) idea of like military hierarchy. You had like... Privates giving orders to like <laughs> generals, and stuff, yeah. and, you know, and so, uh, so he kind of came in and he's like, okay, well, like we need structure. Like if it's go- if there are going to be military guys, we need to create, you know, some kind of structure and and stuff. That would so, be somewhat plausible. So he comes in and he does that. Now he's worked on all kinds of stuff. He worked on Transformers. He's written episodes for. He wrote an episode of Batman the Animated Series. You know, Later every on, yeah, yeah like every show. Yeah, he wrote that like you and I grew up with. Like he wrote at least one episode. It'll be for interesting. Us. We did say we did do an episode on Transformers the movie and GI Joe the movie for us to go back and do something Transformers ish and then re research it like we did with this to see how yeah. on the other side of the fence what's happening in the Transformer land because I think that's a product of Japan that they took licensing or they borrowed. You know, so yeah. it's because at some point, especially in the comics, they do do crossovers, which is freaking crazy. That, if you want to get your mind blown as a young kid, you have like G.I. <laughs> Joe's and Transformers meet, you know, yeah. Cobra's, Cobra Commander's hooking up with Megatron for some shit. That's some shit right there. Well, we should know that Dion and I went to Rhode Island. We took a road trip. <laughs> we took a road trip to Rhode Island. This past September 2017 for the HasCon. And I don't know if it was the first one. I think it was the first one. Yeah. Little did we know that Hasbro is based out of Rhode Island. That's where their their main office has always been. And uh, Hasbro now also does licensing. They have a lot of um, uh, board games. They sure. have like Clue. They have all all stuff I thought was from Parker Brothers and Mattel. Well, what happened was like for instance, after Steve Hasenfeld uh, died, he died in '89. So after and who is he now? He's the one that took over for Merrill Hasbro. He was the one that he was the guy who was head of Hasbro that greenlit GI Joe. He's the one that went to his dad's grave. Okay, like, we're gonna fucking do yeah. this. So Bring he's the son of, of uh, ha- uh, yeah has, uh, has I think their name is Hasenfeld, so, a Jewish gentleman. Yeah, so ha- you know, so that's an interesting ha- Hasbro. I didn't even know that. Yeah, comes has from, and then the brothers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's ingenious and <laughs> it's ingenious. It's ingenious. Uh, uh, the uh, Wow. So he, he passes away in 89, okay. so post the movie. G.I. Joe, by then, is kind of canceled. Yeah, at they least, stand At it. least in the... In the, in the uh, Toy line and cartoon line. Yeah. Well, then, you know, they tried to bring it back with other... With De- Deke or whatever. Yeah, they do that in the 90s. But... Uh, so his little brother takes over. Uh, and his little brother's name is... Uh, can't find it. But his brother takes over... Um, Alan. Okay. And when Alan takes over, he he uh, he takes over in eighty nine. Yeah. Okay. But then that's when they acquire Kenner. And so there were thoughts of bringing back GI Joe in a big way, kind of the way they were. But then, basically, for the most part, the uh, acquisition of Kenner just kills GI Joe. Because it's like we have Star Wars, 
So, yeah, but Star Wars, so, so G.I. Joe kind of became like the redheaded stepchild. Which is interesting because Star Wars wasn't anywhere on the on the scope in eight in 89, 90. You had Return of the Jedi is the last product that comes out. I don't remember until 1994, 5, 6, they relaunch the, st- the Star Wars line when I'm working at Toy Works, a toy yeah, store yeah. In, my, in high school. They stay relaunch a line there because G.I. Joe... But basically, maybe I'm wrong in that they had plans for it, but basically... Oh, you're right. It could have been a, a big but, mega relaunch and that, that didn't just come to fruition until 94, and, and 95. So, but basically, from then on, Star Wars and I guess because when we went to Hasbro, Transformers. Hascon, they had all the Marvel toys too. Yeah. And yeah, Marvel in a huge way. You think in the early 90s, they relaunched with that Spider-Man. Remember the Spider-Man uh, uh, animated series? Spy- amazing. It was like the Amazing Spider-Man. Whatever yeah. that animated you, that Saturday and the, morning. And you have the X-Men the show X-Men at the same show. time. So that must be taking Which a lot I of their remember, time. There were some good toys from both of those shows. Transformers is, believe it or not, still going at that time. So you still got Transformers. I think Transformers might say they hold the record of having the long. You know, they've had a, a toy in the store since they've launched yeah as we're here gi joe's been pulled put back in but basically uh so we went to hascon gi joe never never launched again in full form an because, o- uh, official yeah an official form yeah. because of star because they acquired star wars and also when they acquired star wars they ended up letting go because when two companies kind of meet and when they kind of when two companies join like that or they get a, a one company acquires another company there's a lot of jobs that are you know overlap because you have the same jobs in both companies. So, like, basically all of the creative team that created G.I. Joe gets let go. Yeah. And, like, the, the you know, the guys that were the creative, you know, the development guys, like Kirk Bozigian, uh, he goes and he starts working on, like, for play for Play-Doh, which is also... Play school? Yeah, like, play school, but also because I think they have Play-Doh, too. Which, yeah. Which is, um, is that Ninja Turtles? Or, no, that's maybe... I forget who does Ninja Turtles. But so like they all just get kind of and GI Joe just kind of goes by the wayside. Now, uh, also, just a little bit back in time. Uh, interesting tidbit is when Steve Hasenfeld takes over right after his dad dies, and there and Hasbro is in the late seventies, you know, not doing well. Uh, he makes a big splash. The son, the the, the oldest son, Steve Hasenfeld, who eventually greenlights to Joe. He makes a big splash for himself and a name for himself. By he's the one that brings in Hungry Hunger Hippo. Oh, <laughs> and that's, yeah. the, that's that's huge. And that's the and that's really what keeps them going between GI Joes. You know, is Hungry Hungry Hippo and and. Mr. Potato Head is what keeps the doors open at Hasbro from the middle seventies <laughs> to yeah. the relaunch of GI Joe. GI Joe, yeah. and that was huge as a kid. A hungry, hungry hippos in those games. Uh, Playmates is the person who makes um, Ninja Turtles, and they do also do the Star Trek Next Generation. They did those at the time. Um, yeah, because you know what happens here is uh, from reading up uh, on some hardcore fans, and I'm sure this is a very debatable issue, but people start to think that when season two hits. You start getting a um, kind of like a. Uh, it's more becoming a commercial yeah. than the first season one. And you start seeing that with season two, with we're getting to Arise, Serpento Arise, and then the rest of season two. It kind of gets mired down with they're introducing new characters, uh, these kind of outlandish ideas. People, not everyone likes Serpentor. Uh, then it becomes this Megatron, Starscream kind of a back and forth between cobra commander and and serpentor and then it culminates at the end of season two they have gi joe the movie come out and then it's 
really interesting that because of the controversy of Star Transformers, the movie, which if you want to hear about, go listen to our Transformers, the movie podcast, G.I. Joe, the movies, then uh, instead of getting a theatrical release, is uh, released direct to video. And after that, after the movie comes out, there's not that And the movie was meant to be... The, like the to, to launch season three, yeah. So that's why when that, I, that was really the purpose, and they introduced new characters again. So when we were like Falcon, yeah, and, we were doing the GI Joe podcast. I remember saying I don't remember ever having a big lob, a, a, a toy. I mean, I had Tunnel Rat, but I don't remember Big Lob. I don't had Falcon. I didn't have blah blah blah. Uh, maybe Chuckles and stuff. And then and I had Galobulus, and I had Nemesis Enforcer and the the Guard. But after they came out, and then the three guys that were Serpentor's dudes, uh, I'm not Serpentor, Sergeant Slaughter's men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they stopped, the, the line ends up getting canceled in like 87 or 88. And that's why, if you think me going back to that year, that's why G.I. Joe faded off the map. And all of a sudden, I was interested in cops. And I was interested, Transformers is still going hot at that time. Because you have them like doing like, you know, Space Wars with like um, they're on Krypton, not Krypton, yeah. Cybertron, you know, yeah. and then the everything else comes. Ninja Turtles yeah. came out, and it's a whole new, movies. yeah. And there's all these different. Then you have like uh, Food Fighters. You have all the everything under the sun comes out in GI Joe, and it's a shame that GI Joe. So they say a lot of the problems start happening in season two of GI Joe that people start having problems with, and then the the quality unquote unquote goes down, and either the storytelling, and then. That they end up dropping the line, and then, like you said, it never gets successfully kind of rebooted. They try. I remember in the early '90s with like the there's like a vapor force, or um, they call it like uh, um, uh, there's a, there's a whole other series that they were doing. I forget the name of the damn thing, but it was like uh, where they they were basically just painting stuff. It was kind of like you know they're painting stuff wacky colors, and it's like a toxic kind of a yeah. thing. '89 to '92, we have a, a deke version which is very low quality yeah it has a very different feel from the regular show and then sumbo comes back in the, in 94 and oh because sumbo i think it doesn't it file for bankruptcy maybe too after yeah. like gi joe the movie transformers the movie and yeah, my little maybe. pony the movie but they end up coming back and they have a pilot of sergeant savage and his screaming eagles and then they're one they're the ones that do uh, G.I. Joe Extreme from 95 to 96. Yeah, which I don't think, I don't I wasn't watching because you and I were either in high school or yeah, college at the I time. do remember like getting ready for school at some point and turning on the TV and seeing some G.I. Joe show that was clearly after the movie. But they're, you know, like Cobra Commander's still a snake. Yeah, <laughs> he's like a half snake. <laughs> and being like, what? Like, what is, and, but being like kind of too old, but being curious enough to but be they're like, like, what is the, what is this song? They're like fighting monsters at that point. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. they're fighting kind of like weird kind of things. And then um, you have in the early odds, they, they, well, I guess in the late odds, they kind of reboot the stuff. They do a 24th anniversary with the, with the toys. They, uh, they reboot the toys and they they kind of um, add more points of articulation, which are pretty cool. They you know they they do like uh, swivel wrists, they do like ankle joints, double hinged knees, really cool. And I have a bunch of the 25th anniversary toys, and uh, they're freaking awesome because they're based off the original concepts. Yeah. And around the same time, they come out with that um, GI Joe Resolute which was a short movie in maybe 2008, which is freaking awesome because it's much more darker. Yeah, it's taken yeah. much more seriously. They're actually killing people and all that. There's a short-lived series there. And then after that, they um, I think it's Hub, the, the TV channel. Mm -hmm. um, they come out with a show called, um, I think it's called Renegades. And that's kind of ends up being like, 
they again reboot that and that's like an a-team kind of a concept a style where it's like gi joe's on the run a, a bunch of them in like a van and cobra is this big corporation kind of like a um like an uh ocp mm-hmm. and no one knows that cobra's actually bad and they've got G.I. Joe on the run. And then, like, it becomes like an A-team. They're going from town to town trying to get out. And, like, you know, Cobra owns the police force, that kind of a thing. So uh, I highly recommend that G.I. Joe Renegades. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Resolute. And then the Renegades yeah. is fun. Yeah. But you don't really get the magic that you had back. I mean, and it's funny because that's the trade-off. As much more co- cooler it looks realistic with stuff, the later stuff is you don't have that magic that we had yeah. for the 80s stuff. Even though the 80s stuff you have, you know, there's yeah, lasers you know, and stuff. there's... Yeah, there are there's things like the toning down of violence, you know, nobody ever actually gets shot, and uh, but there's a lot of really cool shit happening in the original series. Yeah, so let's segue. So we're hit, we're hitting now season two. <laughs> We've now we'll set that table. So we set that. We got everything. Don't <laughs> we touch spent, nothing. We spent the last hour yeah. setting this baby. We, up. Not only do we have a salad fork, we have uh, two. We have two butter knives. We have a spoon up top there for you for your soup. Uh, and we have a, uh, a little glass platter underneath an underliner, so don't touch that. So, apparent, so Buzz Dixon, for, sec- for <clears throat> season two, takes over as the story editor. And he has an idea for season two. And he wants to, which is actually a pretty complicated idea, and he ends up writing it within the last couple of years as a book for Kindle. Okay. But the original, he has this idea. This, of, these past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like some, there's some kind of Kindle universe. Where people write books specifically for Kindle. That's just crazy. <laughs> and a lot of it is, you know, obviously not fan fiction, but uh, because it's he actually worked on all the you know the original GI Joes. But this thing where like there's this, like a biography there's this or... thing happening. So he writes he so he has this idea, and the book he wrote it I believe is called The Most Dangerous Man in the World. But he pitches this we'll idea. Put a link to it in our thing. He pitches this idea back in you know eighty. Uh, five or 86 for season two where he wants like he's trying to think like logistically like how how are you know how are uh they getting how is cobra like getting people to do this like how are they recruiting people where they getting their money and so he comes up with this idea where they have there's a guy like a Karl marx type character who created the ideology that Cobra then uses. Uh, but what he wants, what he, what his original vision is, is not what Cobra is. Cobra kind of takes that and corrupts it. But they use his, like, manifesto as... His mind comp. Yeah, as, yeah. like, you know, uh, as... Their Bible to... Yeah, yeah to, to then to... recruit people. And so he's against this. So they, like, they put him in jail and, like, throw away the key. Whatever. Like, we're not going to kill you because we do owe you. Like, you are the guy that created all this. Uh, and then the book, I think, is like he escapes and then G.I. Joe wants to find him before. Oh, Cobra so the does. book he wrote, uh, Buzz Dixon, isn't a story about the making of G.I. Joe. It's kind of a pseudo. No, it's the story that he see. It's the story that he, he pitched, pitched for season ah, two. Okay, so it's not him telling, like, this is what happened. No, it's no. Him writing, like, a. Okay, this is where it would have went. Yeah, this I is see. like he pitches this for season two of like this character named Mo Hicks, I think is the character's name. And he's the one that created the ideology that then creates uh, Cobra. Yeah. Uh, so he pitches this to Hasbro and and Sunbow or whatever. Marvel and, whatever. and Marvel. And they're like, that's great, but make sure you leave room for the Cobra Emperor. And he's like, what? Who? <laughs> and they're like, you know, Cobra Emperor. 
They're like, what are you talking about? The guy that runs Cobra. They're like, it's a monarch. <laughs> you know, the guy that runs Cobra. He's like, Cobra Commander runs Cobra. He's like, no, no. There's the, you know, we're going to introduce this character who's the Cobra Emperor, who's actually the guy who runs Cobra. And he's like, well, we can't. Had we known this, we could have, like, been talking about this guy for a whole season. There's 65 episodes of a TV show. We could have mentioned the fact that Cobra wasn't the actual full leader of Cobra. So uh, he says we need to introduce him somehow. We need to explain why he, who he is, why he's the Emperor of Cobra. So uh, they say, okay, well, come up with a couple ideas and, and pitch us some ideas as to who, who, who this guy is. So he comes up with... Um, he comes up with the two ideas he likes. He's a big sci-fi guy, uh, so his, uh, you know from the '60s. So he loves. He was a big sci-fi fan of reading, you know, the literary science fiction and science fiction movies. So he comes up with an idea like, okay, well, let's. Here's the two options: how we can introduce a Cobra Emperor. They can make one. You know, through science fiction, they don't like how Cobra Commander's running things. Like a Frankenstein. So they can build one. We have the technology. Or there's this secret society, there's a secret thing going on behind the scenes that nobody knows. Called the Coil. Is running. Nobody knows who it is. Uh, there's a there's this group of people behind Cobra Commander that even Destro and the Baroness don't know about. Well, that wouldn't be the Coil. That's in the comic book. I see what you're going. Yeah. Cobra Law. And so that ends up. Be, they like those ideas. So that and that second idea ends up becoming what becomes the Cobra Law for the movie a year later. Yeah. Uh, but they decide to run with. Okay, let's have them make of an emperor. Yeah. So uh, the idea of. Using DNA, deox, deoxyribonucleic acid, which is they just in the in this in this series they just rattle off. You mean deoxyribonucleic acid? <laughs> like nobody a couple of times. It was like three times through the five episodes. They say it. They all. just drop. They just throw it out there. Yeah. Uh, in eighty six, and even I remember in eighty six thinking like even then being a kid and being like like this. This is before it's time. <laughs> let's let's stop the train for a minute. Do you remember specifically watching this when you were little? I do. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. do I. I I have. Um, do you any anything particular? Because I, I remember quite a bit. Anything with you? You remember watching it and just like you said, just the DNA aspects. And well, I'll tell you, like just watching this in general this time yeah. was totally, probably even more so than any when we did the GI Joe the movie. I didn't. I think I talked about when I watched G.I. Joe the movie. I remembered catching it on TV. Like on a Sunday, you said. Yeah, and like not catching the whole thing and be like, like just being blown away that this existed and I didn't know about it. This was before the internet. Of course. You know, and like, sure, maybe my dad had TV Guide, but I didn't look at it. I was a little kid. (laughs) You know, and so seeing it, and then when it ended, just feeling like this immense sorrow that it was over. And that, like, I missed it from the beginning, didn't know when it was going to be on again, and just feeling like, I didn't cry, but feeling like I probably could have. I you're, was, you're, you're getting teared up now. It was so, <laughs> I just, it's just so sad. It's like a loss, over. because you don't know when you're going to see, it may never air again, you know, it's like you miss something. Yeah. You know? and who knows and like, when, you know. I didn't even know it existed. And I, I have a memory of them airing it on a Sunday with, like, Sergeant Slaughter doing the intros and outros, because yeah. then they did, I remember them cutting it up and making it into a five-part. Mini, you know, they did. They showed over a course of a week 
on the regular time slot. But I remember on a Sunday them like having like so watching that. I remember having that very specific like flashback feeling. Um, but watching this five part series is probably the time that most strongly uh, watching it with you was like definitely like teleporting myself back to sitting in my grandmother's basement after school because that's where I went after school because my mom was a single mom that worked so my brother and I would go to my grandmother's house yeah. after school and sitting in her like made over basement with the wood paneling just like what we have here yeah, right here <laughs> yeah uh, and just sitting and watching G.I. Joe every day and uh, it was like watching at this time like I like everything about that basement smelling <laughs> yeah like the carpet the red carpet the shag and the and so, like, watching it this time, just remembering sitting there and just being, like, entranced by G.I. Joe was totally, like, a total flashback watching this this time. And then as you watch it, you're like, I had that toy, I had those guys, and it was just like, dude, it's totally like, everything. Just, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like, you know, in the Matrix when they plug in and you have all that information, like, it, like all these things were flooding back into my brain of, like, oh, yeah, that guy, and oh, I love that toy, Xandar or whatever. Like, I remember getting fucking... Zartan? Uh, Zartan's brother. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's... Um, what's her face? Is uh, Zorana and yeah, Xandar. Getting Xandar and, like... You know, when I was a kid, I didn't always read the back. You know, and so, like... But the fact that he turned blue in the sun, I was like, oh, he must be Zartan's brother. But, like, loving that figure. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, just think of that guy. That was, that was, like, the coolest figure at the time when I got it. And then... So it was just, like... Watch it this time. There's all that happening, like all these like flashback of, of memories. Watching this specifically, I do remember watching it and like the idea of traveling the world and finding the you know the corpses of all these dead leaders and military people. Uh, yeah, I remember. And uh, I mean, at the time, I probably never heard of DNA before. Yeah, probably wasn't until a couple years later. Um, Michael Crichton's the Jurassic Park the book comes out in 1990, but then I probably didn't read the book until 93, maybe until the movie? before the movie came out. Until like the movie was about to come out, I think I got the book with like the movie the, cover, yeah. uh, and I read the book then, and then being like, "This is fucking Zabentula." <laughs> They made a whole island of Zabentulas, <laughs> but there even, there even is like I wish I I wish I put I went back and tried to find it. There is like a there is an island. There's an episode of G.I. Joe where there's like an island of dinosaurs. Yeah. That they're like trapped They've got on. so much crazy. So, um, I mean, I remember, uh, I've said this a lot, like I was only able to collect two toys growing up. I had G.I. Joe Transformers because my parents didn't want to spend them. Well, my mom, they didn't want to spend the money in all these other toy lines. So I was hugely into G.I. Joe. I remember, very, I must have even taped the Pyramid of Darkness five-parter. So I knew that like the back of my hand. And uh, I had all the stuff. And I, you know, my, my white whale was getting the flag. Uh, I remember there's the episode that you and I always remember where the at the beginning the flag sinks and Shipwreck wakes up with kind of amnesia and he's on this, he's in a town, he doesn't know where he is. I was just telling somebody about that episode. And it's like you're doing, because there was someone who's older than us that never really watched this yeah. show. And I was telling them that we were going to be doing this. And I was explaining to them the, the plot line to this. And they're like, whoa, it's pretty intense. I was like, oh, man, you have no yeah, idea. And so I was telling them about that. And I was like, well, what did I tell you this is about this episode? Yeah, and it's like shipwrecks there by himself. And, he, and something's not right about the town. The people aren't just right. It's almost like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And you can't pinpoint it. And I, don't, I haven't seen the episode. We should probably go watch that episode. Yeah. But I, I, you know, there's the one that you and I used to always joke about. Where it's like, at one point... <laughs> 
like he's he he's trying to find out what's going on. He sees Roblox go into a car wash in a car, and he's like Roblox. So he goes around, and Roblox goes to the car wash, and he comes out, and he's like Roblox, and the Roblox turns, and Roblox like sure was hot, and then just starts <laughs> melting in front of him, and he's like oh, and he's like he has like a like a like a transient break, and then you find out at the end that they Cobra took him and were trying to like brainwash him to try to get some something out of him. Yeah, that he yeah. was a MacGuffin he had, so they had messed up episodes like that. This specifically. I remember watching this. I you know, I remember this the first a couple episodes very well because I was obsessed with the battle android troopers when I was little the bats. Oh yeah. And I had I had Dr. Mindbender uh uh living in New Haven so that was 86 at the time. I had him and I you know I used to like I, I like if you you know when he comes in the the pack and you take it out and there's that piece of plastic that he was in. Yeah. I had that like be his shuttle that he was flying around <laughs> Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had that um I remember like right before I, the the kid next door to me this kid Corey he had gotten the guy Thrasher who's introducing it in his mm-hmm. his car he, he had that. And I remember like the intro to this like I remember how fucked up it was that like they used school buses to get onto the G.I. Joe property <laughs> and then they open up and it's all yeah, like bats yeah. and the epic battle. I wonder if, you know, going along to what we were just saying, if like they introduced bats specifically so that they could actually shoot something. They had to just to destroy them. It's yeah, almost like, like we need uh, to be able to actually hit something with the fucking things we're shooting. Yeah, what, what's that like? That's like we're having able to like, shoot people. How can we shoot people? We'll make them robots. It's like Ninja Turtles with the Foot yeah. Clan. They make the Foot Clan all robots so they can beat the crap out of Foot Clan. Um, and I remember, uh, but this is also coming off of Terminator. Yeah, you know. You know so, so and then the bats were just amazing. And RoboCop. Yeah, you read the bats. Well, I guess RoboCop was the next year, eighty-seven. But it's still around that time. You had a lot of robot stuff going on, and I remember like the. You read the back of the bats card, and it was like the bottom. It's like, you know, they they only release them in like the most uh, crucial situations, and Cobra has to watch out because they're known to even like turn on Cobra guys. So you got to watch out where they release them, and yeah, they're yeah. only like uh, vulnerabilities, like if you shoot them in the back, or you got to completely just so. That was like such an amazing concept, and I remember like how forward thinking all my life. I remember this the, the when they're and you had had the was it a sticker. That you could was like three dimensional, or could you actually see inside? It was like no, it was it was a, it was a hologram. Yeah. So like you move, yeah. The bat's chest was supposed to be you're supposed to be able to see inside because technically the the joke was that the, that was easy access on the battlefield to fix them. But what it really was is there was just a, a little hologram it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> well, not a joke. I'm sorry, it was like a, that was like the the shtick. So. If you look at their thing, it's yeah, they had like a little hologram that was like their inside, and you can go, you know, you could turn left, right, turn, and you yeah, would move a little bit. Look like because there was a there was a uh, there was like a robot He Man guy who actually had all these gears, he was clear, yeah, yes. he had all these gears inside of him that when you moved his arms and stuff, you, you could see stuff moving, moving. Which you think of how expensive that was to build, but I remember like the bats were the first. Uh, toy that I bought like multiples of because I was like they're robots, mom. You know, I, I, I need more. I need like a whole. Thing. And my mom was like, "You sure you're gonna get three of these?" And I was like, "Mom, please." <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't question. Yeah, the element, mom. Yeah, just come on, just go pay for them. So and uh, you could switch the arm. Yeah, great toy. And yeah, awesome it's, toy. It's, you know, it's such a great concept. It had a flamethrower, a bazooka, you know, yeah, had all a buzz, all too, buzz right? it had all that kind of stuff, and it came with guns. And I think in the comics he was Serpentor's launched in forty issue forty nine, and I was I didn't have his issue, but I had issue fifty, I had issue fifty one and fifty two, so I had the issues that the the storyline went into, so I knew them very well. So when we went back to look at these, I was like, oh, I had I remember these actual story yeah, arcs. Yeah. So like the bats, I think are like introduced like in forty four, forty five in the comics. So here I think in the cartoon these were you had Doctor Mindbender being introduced. You had the bats. I remember very vividly as a child that I still remember the the um, 
Scrap Iron, who I loved as a kid, who's from season one, but he had that little spy that was a little fly. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was so ahead of its time. Like, can you imagine them having that technology today? Like, <laughs> you know, and they kind of have that now, yeah, but it's like yeah. that was so forward thinking to me. But watching this now, it's so funny to just think like the, in, the, the new intro with them like going at, on Cobra Island at the Technodrome. Mm-hmm. Technodrome was a great fucking toy. Yeah, and you just see all these people going by, and it's just like, it's so like everybody's an individual that they have their intro and new guys, new play sets. Uh, you, if you know whoever, I'm sorry, GI Joe was the best toy. It's ever. just, it's just like it was the greatest toy ever. There like was great series. There were toys. Yeah, there were so many people. Transformers were cool because they transformed. Yeah. into you know that was that was like the, the cool thing about them. And I don't want to take anything against away from the Transformers, but GI Joe or robots, <laughs> or, or or of course GoBots, but GI Joe just had the best. Was the best. Well, GI Joe was the best series of toys ever. It was so individualistic. You can like. There were so many of them, and it, the thing was because really they made their money on the on like the on the on the vehicles. Yeah, you know the toys didn't cost them anything to make, but they also weren't sold for a lot of money. Yeah, so that was like we'll sell them a shitload, and yeah, we'll make money on them. But like they really made money. So when they made fucking vehicles, they made a f- aircraft carrier. They, I mean, <laughs> they made. <laughs> they were so confident in the fact that like GI Joe was the shit. That they made a seven foot long fucking air bigger than the fucking couch in your house. Yeah, and then I remember my dad. <laughs> it was one hundred ten dollars when it came out. I remember my dad. I was like, Dad, I want to get. It. He's like, Get it. He's like, It's gonna be from here to the door. I gotta get that. I was like, Oh, no. I remember thinking that. Like, that is pretty long, Dad. But it's like you think they were making like uh, you had scores of you had, you had tanks. I mean, the original GI Joe tank was battery operated. You could turn it on and it would go. You had like uh, all kinds of troop carriers. You my favorite planes. ones. They had those like. Uh, well, they, they had like the. The GI Joe, I wish I knew the name of it, but it was just like a little. Oh yeah, like little, the, yeah, the little yeah. It was like it was like the horn like, or something. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. had like the 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 engine thing that could go up and down so that it could go, it could take off straight yeah, up. It was a short one. And I the, love those. The Cobra Cobra had the Cobra Rattler, which was based I off a real that you know, and that was that was based off a real plane, which is called the. I forget the name. The, the real plane's like the bulldog or what? I forget, damn, I forget the name of the actual real plane. But it doesn't have that the wing feature, which actually is very forward thinking. It's very much like a Harrier, you yeah, know, yeah. being able to take off like that for Cobra. And a lot of their and I loved when you get like two, you know, when one had two, like the Night Raven. Had, yeah, like, had, the, the, had the little plane. The, the, yeah, the back, which I think is probably introduced in season this two. Yeah, all this, stuff. but also the thing that's also probably introduced in this episode, the one where they're like, "Hey, what's his face? Is put a tape deck in his oh, it's havoc or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> Where like that thing, because that had like a little hover, a hover thing that would come out, come the out side. the back. Yeah. So you really get like the bang for your buck because you get two two things in one. I mean, you had, like the and like the Technodrome had a little plane that would come out the middle of the with a guy. It came with a guy. Yeah, it had all because I had the GI Joe. God damn, that was so awesome. I had the original base, but the original GI Joe base didn't come with anybody. It was like three yeah, parts. I had the yeah. It was just, you had the jail cell. Yeah, yeah, and then it had some cool <laughs> and a cannon. You know, yeah, and then you had like different. The you could put your like cars and whatever. So. I mean, there was just endless possibilities, and it was so to me just individualistic. I could like barbecue. You could like uh, Flint, yeah, yeah. Uh, Duke. You know, and you know. So in the show, Flint always my favorite. Oh, because he had Scarlet. I don't know why. I just or, always, I'm sorry, Lady J. I just thought Flint was awesome. Never had a Flint figure. He's he's kind of like a uh, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Think about it. With I, the think cleft chin. I think when we used to, when we cast the when movie, we used to cast that movie freshman year. I think we had an epic. This is that was long before we were so forward thinking because that's pre nine eleven. We were like live action GI Joe movie. Go. Yeah, we were cat. We were and sitting around we the even diner. Might even had fucking Bruce Willis's hawk. We we might at have one point, and we had like 
uh, Tom Savini playing shipwreck Tom because Savini of shipwreck because of his, his mustache and, and but, uh, the, the, the navy pants, pants from Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. We had, and we had Jeremy Irons playing both Pomax and Zamat because of Dead oh, Ringers. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, good cast. Like, David Patrick Kelly uh, from the Warriors and stuff playing Cobra Commander. I, I forget who we had Destro. I mean, we had the entire thing cast. We might have had. We, I think we might have had Campbell as Flint. You know, and. Um, and it was like I said, pre nine eleven. So we're like, it's a great idea. You could have them be, you know, how forward thinking is Cobra is a terrorist organization determined to rule the world, you know. And you see that when they did the live action movies, they kind of scaled that back. They took out like GI Joe is an American, yeah, you know, because yeah. they they need to sell it internationally. And then, and then the terrorists, they took the terrorist thing out because that, you know, that's what hits home nowadays. So I mean, in this in Arise Serpento Arise, you're introduced to you have like there's a whole slew of you have Hawk. You have uh, yeah, like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's someone the, above Duke. Yeah, the, like, the hell are yeah well, why, why don't we know who he is? We had you had Batch, you had Doctor Mindbender, but the Beach original head, line, the original line of toys had a hawk. So if you really, if you were a kid, be like, well, I have a hawk figure. I but guess he just he was, wasn't on the show. Uh, bad guys. I remember I had Monkey Wrench was like the new recruit for the uh, Dreadnoughts. They had Monkey like, Wrench. You yeah. had Zarana and Zar and uh, and Xandar. Uh, you had Thrasher with his vehicle. Um, I realized watching this that Shipwreck is basically maybe Jack Nicholson from Five Easy Pieces. You know, he's, <laughs> yeah, or not yeah. Five Easy Pieces. Um, what's the, the last detail? Yeah, yeah. Where he's he's on shore leave as the thing, and uh, I believe. Roblox got a new outfit. Yeah, he's up to sodas. I think Gung Ho even. Gung Ho may have it. They, they took a lot of the older guys. And revamped and they, them a little bit. Yeah, just give them so you can just buy the... Ah, fuck it. They'll buy the figure again if he has a new outfit, you know? I remember even having a Gung Ho figure like in, mili- in like his Marine... Oh yeah, his, his, yeah, he's got the outfit on. Like <laughs> yeah, his, like, his, like he's recruiting the recruiting yeah, like station. Formal. I had that too. Outfit because that's when he was. That's when he he put his twenty in, and he's he's retired now. He's uh, you know he's <laughs> he's at the recruiting office trying to get young Joes. So th- this the story begins very much like again. There's a plot where they've made all these battle android troopers with Destro. I think like Destro, Firefly, and Doctor. At the Mind same Bender. time, it opens with that the Joes are getting soft. Yes, and, and you have Beachhead, who's a new guy. He's walking around with everybody I else. I used to love Beachhead because there was a, a lot of had to do with, like, I loved other things. So, like, I loved this show called Sable. Yeah. That was based on a comic book, but not by one of the big ones. And it was only, the show only lasted a season. Rene Russo was, like, the love interest in it. And he was kind of like this rich guy who became a vigilante in New York, but he would put, like, makeup on and wear kind of like a... Ninja outfit, but it wasn't really a ninja outfit. So it kind of like, like a tactical. Beachhead, but so yeah, like with this thing, it kind of looked like Beachhead. So I always kind of really liked Beachhead because to me, it kind of reminded me of uh, of Sable or something like that. So. Uh, yeah, you have um, you know, like they used a whole slew new of um, of uh, vehicles being li- like the the, the big uh, what's his face Lifeline and his big helicopter that was introduced because you had Wild Bill and his Hornet. Uh-huh. But you had that, that was a proper like troop carrier, almost like with the two, two propellers, like a Chinook that's introduced. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they had yeah. to sell a new line of toys. So the, the, uh, so the first five minutes of the, sh- of the sh- episode is like, hey, and yeah. then just naming guys. Just, yeah, and you're like, and, you're, and the kids at home are like writing everybody down. Like, who the hell at the tip of the pencil? And how, how forward thinking is it? You have Lifeline, who's a pacifist. He's a medic, but he's like, I can't fight. And then they're like, we can't wrap our head well, around. Well, he plays a big part in 
that book, apparently, the man that the most dangerous man in the world, because the the Joes like find this guy who wrote the manifesto, and you know, Lifeline is the guy who's the conscientious conscientious objector. Yeah, and so there's a big moral like conflict yeah, going yeah. on as the guys as between those two, those two. So yeah, I mean, very interesting and very kind of like you said forward thinking in a lot of ways so you're saying yeah so they're at the gi joe base everyone's kind of becoming soft they're not they're not you know the the, the uh the guys who are supposed to be watching the perimeter are like playing video games they're playing pong and even though when the you know the brass is walking around and they're like you guys are getting soft what the hell's going on <laughs> you guys getting but you know I, there's a note of when they come in and they're playing fucking video games i noticed something uh was it the mainframe yeah, so who's also there. new. He's like... Him yeah, and Dial Tone. He's a new guy. I used to love fucking Dial Tone. <laughs> but uh, Mainframe's like, yo, of course, because uh, they're supposed to be watching the perimeter. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I learned in NOM. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> I thought, like, 20 years ago. He's like, how old is he supposed to be? He's like, if you if you take your mind off it for a little time, you'll be more productive. So he's trying to, like, bullshit but I was ways like, out. Huh, I, like, I never really paid attention when I was a kid. But yeah. I was like, oh, there's a Vietnam reference <laughs> to this. It's like, this is pretty heavy. <laughs> and you have Cobra, who's uh, hiding out in an old dance school with a whole bunch of school buses. They make these battle android troopers, the bats. And they make an army of them. They put, they pack them in the buses, and they all go. And then, and, and I thought I remembered it being that they got onto the GI Joe, uh, yeah. into the headquarters. And then they opened up. But it, uh, when we watched it now, they were just by the perimeter. Like, where are those school buses there? You can't. And then all of a sudden, they're like, "Fuck it, Cobra!" <laughs> and they come in, and like you know, then the, the it's so funny. The school buses just like open up. It's all like high tech. Yeah. And then come like those. Um, like they're not Cobra hisses. It's the new things with the Moto Viper. It's like the uh, I forget what they call them, but it, it's I had that toy too, where it's a front wheel in the front, two in the back, and then it went like this. Oh yeah, so yeah, the yeah. Cobra has like you a, could shoot, mm-hmm. and then there was a guy up front. You know what I mean? That, which is very predominant in GI Joe the movie. It was like the next thing a Cobra hiss, and they again make reference. They're like, well, those things aren't as as uh, I wonder why they're using they're them because they're, armored. They're as, fast as the shit. Yeah, but they're, but they're a fucking. <laughs> and meanwhile, they've got the Joe surrounded like they, they've pulled their wagons around like a western, like the Indians got the the cowboys surrounded, and then they have the cow, the bats walking at them, shooting like directly. So. You don't know what's going to happen. And then right when you think G.I. Joe is licked, you see, like, out in the distance, this, it looks like it's a mirage. And then yeah, comes yeah. this freaking guy, yeah, and I it's remember. Sergeant Slaughter on his freaking Sergeant Slaughter tank. You know, uh, I'm sure in the past Christmas episodes I've mentioned that when I was growing up, I was allowed to open one present on Christmas Eve. Yeah, we've talked about this, because my sister and I, we're, you're so fucking like, come on, I want to open something. <laughs> and my mom and dad were like, all right, you guys can open something from each other. And, and yeah. And so the one present that year that I opened was the fucking Sergeant Slaughter in the fucking little Sergeant Slaughter tank thing. And you didn't know it yet, and but you had like, an orgasm. <laughs> and I just like, that thing was driving over the couch, driving over, just jumping from chair to chair. I mean, it's so... Because it was the fact that you would get a figure with an... Yeah, a new figure and a toy yeah. in one thing. It's, it's 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 yeah with a vehicle. It's like that's like mind blowing shit. It's like it's one thing if you're trying to get. It's like the and he was fucking and he was the start of <laughs> It's one thing if you're getting a guy like a, the Cobra Rattler and you're getting a pilot with it, but. It's kind of like a bait and switch where you're getting Sergeant Slaughter and he's coming with a vehicle. So yeah, it's more yeah. you're selling. I, like, didn't I need have, Sergeant Slaughter. I didn't have the mail away Sergeant Slaughter. What's the difference? I think he had like USA. Oh, that's him. Like okay. on his shirt. With camo maybe. Yeah. With bottoms. Or, or maybe it was tan ones. Because the one I think I had, it was like in this episode. It was just a blank tank. 
top with with the camo pants. Uh, so I never had the mail. I did have the mail away mail order refrigerator Perry. Oh yeah, I didn't have him, but I, I knew everybody had him. And you also had the guy. The mail order, your own Joe. Oh, yeah. Who I named Major Ricochet. <laughs> awesome. And he comes with a helmet because, you know. Yeah, you can't think everybody look the <laughs> Imagine same. Imagine that. They're able to, like, 3D print your face on. <laughs> Holy. And it's like. Nowadays, oh, they probably It's a big G.I. Joe, but it's a kid's face. <laughs> That's really weird. But it was just, yeah, you'd get, you would be able, for people that didn't listen to the G.I. Joe, the movie episode. Really Go quick, listen to it. Real, but, but real quickly, you, there was a thing where you could order your own G.I. Joe guy and you would fill in. Customize The information. Yeah. You could create his name. It would be, like, real name. My name, Jay Blake, and then you'd be like, like expertise. And you wrote f- score to death, <laughs> and you f- you fill out everything, and then you'd get a figure. But everybody got the same figure. Yeah. And I thought when I ordered that I'd get like a little card, like the back of the yeah, you get in the thing. Back. But instead, you would get um like a, like a full like sheet printed out, nice color, color print, <laughs> you know, like file. Um, <laughs> and you might have been, you might have even gotten a custom imprinted dog tag. Oh, I think that might be right. But it was so n- light that you had to like shine it in the light, you know, like, yeah, like angle it right <laughs> <laughs> under the light. Like, it the really didn't design. really didn't really dig in the impression. Oh, they're it? doing so many at a time. <laughs> <laughs> you had, you had you to know. angle it in the light just to get if the light hit it just right. You could read what it's there's said. some sort of like there's some poor printing engraver who doesn't do newspapers anymore, like changing the font on his printing machine. But I wore it. I wore that shit to school. Oh, hell yeah. Look what I got. Motherfucker. <laughs> What? So you have S- Slaughter comes and saves the day. And what I learned about when we do this episode that originally Sergeant Slaughter wasn't going to be the the original guy to segue into G.I. Joe. They originally wanted, which we brought up in a podcast we did, uh, you and I did in, from the New Year's Eve uh, in 2015 to 16, we did an episode on Rocky. Yeah. And we talked about in the Rocky podcast, among talking uh, along talking about with Rocky, we brought up that Rocky, for a minute, was they were considering him being a G.I. Joe. And at the time, which I guess is, what, 87 or 86, they were going to introduce Rocky Balboa as a new team member of G.I. Joe. And it was so much so that Marvel... Uh, Marvel Comics had an issue called Order of Battle, and in issue two, it contained a dossier for Balboa, and Hasbro designed a prototype figure for him that kind of looked like Sylvester Stallone, and they even introed a bad guy to, 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 to face off with Sly Stallone, which they put into circulation, a cobra named Big Boa, which was, um, he had boxing gloves, and he came with like a, he had a helmet, and he had, remember, he, he, he didn't have a top on, and he came with kind of like one of those punching bag things, yeah, you know, yeah. and I remember him, they had him come out, and he was supposed to be the, uh, the, the opposite number to Rocky, but I guess at the last minute, they couldn't strike a deal with, um, to get Stallone's likeness, and there could have been, I, We'd have to defer back to the Rocky podcast, but there could have been another reason why that, like, Stallone was going to use the likeness for, like, Rambo or, you know, something yeah, was yeah. going to happen with the Rambo cartoon coming out. So it fell through. So at the last minute, they ended up switching it with um, Sergeant Slaughter. He became the celebrity spokesman as well as, you know, in the cartoon, voicing himself and all that. So you have Sergeant Slaughter come in, and I had no memory. I, just like you in the 80s, watched WWF. I don't really remember... Slaughter in the WWF prior to G.I. Joe. Yeah, yeah. But once G.I. Joe, and then I'd see him everywhere. You know what I mean? It was almost like I felt like his career was launched, which I'm sure is not true. Well, he originated, he was like a bad guy. Yeah. You know, he was uh, one of the villains. 
He was a heel, yeah. as they say. Even, the, but he was, he was called bed. Sergeant Slaughter. He was like Sergeant Slaughter, and he was, like, he was like the asshole drill sergeant. Yeah. Uh, and then it wasn't until you had, like, uh, people started to really hate the Iron Sheik, ah. Nikolai Volkov. You need, you need a foil. <laughs> that you needed somebody. So even though everybody hated Slaughter... Once Sauter showed up to fight, they rallied fucking behind Nikolai Volkov and, and the Iron Sheik. It's like Rocky IV. All of a sudden, it was like, yeah, fuck you, Ford people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, America! And it's it's funny and he because... Be, and he instantly became a babyface, a good guy. Yeah, and then afterward, even when you know those plots twist and turn for WWF, yeah. now WWE, even when he became a villain again... Uh, on WWF, he still kept the persona of a good guy on G.I. Joe because they can't have him become a, yeah, you know. Yeah. But he becomes a huge part because I also remember, like I said, him being live And action. he actually voiced it. It wasn't like, you know, some other guy. Yeah, like Hulk Hogan and they get somebody else they, to do. Or, you know, was the guy who played Sergeant Slaughter on WWF, or now WWE, did actually voice Sergeant Slaughter in the cartoon And they'd also and shoot a great job. They shoot wraparounds, live action, where he's yeah. like, listen, you fucking say something. <laughs> you know, he's like yelling at you. Yeah, he's all yelling and stuff, and he would do intros and outros to the show. So he comes and saves the day, and then he's like, you fucking, you know, there's the shit. Some, you know, and then I think who, somebody comes up with the idea, like, you need to train the Joes yeah. because the Joes fucking suck. And he's like, oh, I had a bunch of recruits. His voice keeps changing. Yeah. I had a bunch of recruits, but he's like, oh, that's a great you idea. Know. Brother, you're a G.I. Joe guy. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, all right, I'm going to... So he says he's going to stay. He's going to whip the, the Joes and all the new Joes into shape. You cut to back to Cobra. And Cobra, once again, is, it's almost like G.I. Joe the movie. Cobra's like, what the fuck, Cobra Commander? You know, yeah. you... Yeah, I'm fucking lost you know, again. How many times are we going to lose, God damn He's like, I ain't fucking no. You know, if y'all fuck, death throw me off the street. Cobra Commander, what yeah. the fuck? Cobra Commander, you fucking suck. <laughs> you know? And Baron is like, Destroy, you're so beautiful. <laughs> and Tomac is was like, We didn't know you were going to go that way. <laughs> Why do we keep on losing? So, so they, Destro and Mindbender hatch a plan. With Mind, like, is this the introduction of Mindbender yeah, too? Right? Yeah. This is the first time. So he's like, He's uh, like, I, I don't He's like, Three bats. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> one, two, three. Three uh, uh, bats. Uh, uh, uh. And he's, he's like, I'm going to come up with <laughs> a way for every, for Cobra to come back. One way, two way. And then Destro's like, uh, We need to come up with something. He's like, We don't get the DNA. One DNA, two DNA, three. Twelve DNA. Uh. Uh, uh, so uh, they get this idea. No, oh, so very movie. The movie Dreamscape, which is mid eighties, with uh, with um, Dennis. Uh, I was going to say Weaver, Dennis Quaid. Dennis, Dennis Weaver's last week. Highlander. <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we talked about <laughs> Duel. Uh, Dennis Quaid. Uh, the movie Dreamscape, really messed up movie. Uh, it's kind of like what happens here, where Mind Better starts having these tripped out dreams, yeah. which is in a children's cartoon. Really yeah. crazy. Like, no, I can't. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> what, what's, what's happening here? And he's like, ah. He's like, Cobra Command. And then he, then he, and then he sees, he's seeing like this pyramid. And, or, what is this pyramid? It looks like a Christmas tree. And then it's like, it's a DNA structure. It's the glue of the country. <laughs> and then he realizes, he's like, oh, I could go around the world. And, and so he comes up, in the dream, he comes with an idea where he has the technology to genetically engineer a guy. He's like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, and he goes to Destro or whatever, and, he's, and, and he gets, they get, in the comic what happens is they get Cobra Commander behind him because he's only supposed to be a figurehead. 
for some reason, because they, I think they've been getting their ass handed to him so much, Cobra Commander's like, you know, he wants to keep morale up. He's like, sure, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to do, you know. Um, death, of, you know, Megatron. <laughs> you know, so he's like, okay. So they agree. And they go. They start this thing where they're going to go around the world, Mindbender. They're going to get like clone. They're going to get the genius of Napoleon, the ruthlessness of uh, uh, Julius Caesar, the daring of Hannibal, the shrewdness of Attila the Hun. I mean, they have. I mean, they, there's even ones that don't know us because at some point, Rasputin. The, yeah, at some point, like Hawks, like and these are fucking some more that. So then they name like Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great, or they, they, Hannibal, they, Julius Caesar, they, and dozens more. <laughs> Geronimo, which I didn't think he was necessarily a bad guy. Well. We thought he was bad at but the time. So the ones that I think they mentioned in the series specifically are Napoleon, Montezuma, yep. Vlad the Impaler, Vlad Tepish, Imhotep, yep. Yep. Uh, Ivan the Terrible, Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great, Hannibal, Julius Caesar. Now, we don't see them get all these, but these are the ones mentioned. Attila the Hun, Eric the Red, Rasputin, and uh, they the one they failed to get. Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Yeah, so they they get his DNA, but then slaughter almost kind of... Um, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to get through. That's, that's more like... And then you have Roblox Ryman. God damn it, Doran, get in front of the damn ball. <laughs> Played by uh, Sam Elliott there. Um, so they come back, and they, they, they make this guy, and he, and he comes about, and he immediately kind of takes command, and it becomes this internal struggle in the comic book because he's only supposed to be a figurehead, but then the... The troops rally behind him. He's, you know, he's 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 fighting with the troops. He's not scared. He's he's almost kind of like a whiner. Like he, you know, he's he uh, he's not the first to retreat like Cobra Commander. So by the end of the series, it sets up that relationship, which you see that scene replay out at the beginning of GI Joe the movie. Like GI Joe the movie could be taking place right after this. Yeah, you know, you failed us again. He's like, that's hogwash. You know, that's all lies. <laughs> that's you know, I find it awesome. Uh, we talk about a lot of voice actors, Chris Lotta who voices Cobra Commander, as well as he voiced Starscream. He also voices Gung Ho on uh, on this and a, probably a bunch of other characters. But it's pretty funny because in real life, he was a stand-up comedian by trade. And uh, he passed away in the 90s. I think he died of cancer. And no, I'm sorry, not cancer. I think he died of AIDS or HIV some, somehow. I don't know if, uh, how he got it. But... Uh, there's a lot of little jokes in the series, and there is a joke where he's like, you know, he'll be deader than disco. He's like, disco, deader than disco. He's like, oh, I should have been a stand-up comedian, which is a joke because Chris Lotta is a stand-up comedian. Yeah. So um, there's a joke in it when because eventually they ca- they capture Sergeant Slaughter because they don't have Sun Tzu's DNA. Mindbender's uh, like, we'll just use Sergeant Slaughter. So they capture Sergeant Slaughter and they torture him. And he's got a constitution of a vending machine. <laughs> What does that even mean? I guess I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's sturdy. He's reli- He's not reliable, and, he's, and he doesn't break down. I don't know what it means. If you bump him hard enough, candy will fall. Yeah, he'll walk. At ease, breeze. You know who knows. Um, the difference with the comic book is that they. I, I'm not up on the lore prior to this, but something happens in a battle prior to this with Storm Shadow, and I think he dies, but they have him on ice. So they take uh, elements of Storm Shadow and they interject his DNA into into Serpentor. Mm. And then at some point, issue like 51, uh, he's, he arises from the dead, and they're like, holy shit, you know, Storm Shadow's alive, and it's some crazy shit. I am alive. Um, now, what I didn't... In the comic book, they Cobra has this town called Springfield, and this is this predates even Simpsons. And Springfield is like the Cobra cover. It's the town that I guess in probably in the show they go to, 
and you know everything looks all right but then it's like you know it's actually you know to america it's just a little small town but it's actually a completely cobra run town so uh everybody in the town is cobra and i don't know if the the kids know but the parents are all like it's almost like it's very nazi-ish yeah, yeah. so they design serpentor at the museum of antiquities in S- springfield so to the surrounding state world it's just a a regular town so the joes come in they have to fight so in issues 49 and 50 when they're when they're making serpentor and then they're holding this fight up when all the joes are on their way to kind of like destroy serpentor they set out the red alert like you know we all have to leave and then there's a max exodus there's a a way to get everyone all the inhabitants out from springfield to cobra island and they've rehearsed this. They plan this evacuation, where to go. And then that's how they, uh, uh, Serpentor instills the love of the Cobra guard behind him because he stages this big thing at the airport. So the Joes go to the airport think, thinking they're going to be thwarting them off at the airport. But in reality, all the people are evacuated to the stadium and they're airlifted out that way, like the families. But there's a scene that I was alluding to earlier. There's a scene in the comic where it's like, they're yelling over the loudspeaker. This isn't a drill. You know what to do. You have to burn all the Cobra paraphernalia. You can only take what you have on in one suitcase with your with your, your kids and your wife. You have to leave all pets behind. So there's two panels, and it's a panel of, like, there's one guy, like, throwing stuff into a fire, and there's a first panel of, like, there's a dog in the foreground and two kids and the dad. And the dad's got a gun in his hand. He's cocking the gun. <laughs> and no, listen. And the, 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 yeah, I know. Christ. I know. I was crying last night because I had a couple drinks. And the two kids are like, Daddy, can't we just leave Fido alone and act like we didn't know? And the daddy's response is, you're already making this. It's, it's hard enough as it is. And the next panel is the gun in the dog's face. And the dog like, roof. And that's it. It cuts away. Meaning that they, he fucking shot the dog, killed this little puppy right in front of the kids in a Marvel comic book in like 1986. Like, <laughs> that's so horrifying. I would venture, if anybody's listening who's big G.I. Joe fans, that probably traumatized the shit out of kids. Yeah, that yeah. like they're shooting their fucking animals. <laughs> they can't take them with us. So uh, there are some differences from, from comic to, to, to uh, <clears throat> what do you call it? To thingy. And then within like four or five issues, uh, they're having an issue, a problem with like Serpentor standing on like the his tanks yelling and he's getting shot at and they're like Serpentor you gotta sit down he's like I'm sorry I'm used to you know as Attila the Hun or Alexander the Great being on top of an elephant commanding or you know he's used to like being the, yeah, in the yeah. front on the chariot so it gets so out of uh, the way that there's a civil war there's a split in fractions where uh, Baroness and Cobra Commander and Zartan I think deflect with Cobra Commander and then like Destro and maybe Mindbender stay with um, Serpentor and there's a civil war. And then eventually Zartan ends it by, he gets up on a tank and then he takes his bow and arrow out and just, because on the other side of the battle, Serpentor is on a tank and he throws an arrow, gets him right in the eye and he kills Serpentor and he supposedly dies. And then, you know, Cobra Commander is able to get, they, then, so then Mindbender takes the body, hides it and it becomes his boys of Brazil kind of a thing where little do we know he puts... Uh, the body on ice, he made all these other clone bodies, like there's 10 other ones that are kids, that he puts into foster homes and they're supposed to have this upbringing, hence the boys from Brazil kind of a thing, and that at some point he's going to grab them and use them to be the next Serpentor, which I guess in subsequent issues they do that. And then there's, and that becomes this thing which I um, alluded to before called The Coil. This this organization within Cobra, which is this uh, 
very, very secret society that has the cabal that wants to try to like reinvent Serpentor because yeah. Cobra Commander isn't making it. But there's a guy in the co- in the comics called Doctor Venom, and he's the precursor to Mindbender, and he made this thing called the Brave Wave Scanner, and he's the he's killed off, and then Mindbender takes over his pra- place. And Mindbender uses his brainwave scanner to like, that's the thing. It's like, how are you going to fill, even though you have the DNA and you're making a man, what are you going to do with memories? And Mindbender's like, I'll give him my own memories. So he uses his brainwave scanner to give him the day-to-day memories to start him up again. So uh, Serpentor comes up in the show and then it's like very much, it becomes kind of drawn out, these battles where it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to like, um, they're going to Vlad the Impaler and there's like, you know, there's a Banshee that's kind of scary there. And they're, each episode of this five-part series is, is the Joes trying to thwart yeah. them getting the DNA. And each time they, they completely miss the mark, you know. But I, I mean, I remember <clears throat> as a kid, and maybe this isn't the best five-parter. Of G.I. Joe, I don't know. Uh, then I do know that I don't know. I don't think it's certainly I, not the worst. I know that Ron Friedman, I don't know if he comes back or if he's just there the whole time, but Ron Friedman, who wrote the first two. Yeah. Uh, he wrote he wrote this one with the story by Buzz Dixon, who we mentioned earlier uh, when he pitched the idea, but uh, who was also the story editor for, I think, most of season two, if not all of season two. But I do remember it just being... I always remember looking back on this series really fondly. It's a so ahead of its time. I'm just thinking as a kid, like how, I mean, I guess maybe, you know, after Jurassic Park came out and really looking back, I'd be like, man, that really was. But the idea of like, they're, they're going to, I don't know, because it didn't seem that foreign to me at the time. So, I mean, maybe DNA was more out there. You have. In, but in popular culture, I don't really remember it being out there. I know, like, the, in the middle 70s, I forget the author, he wrote The Boys from Brazil, and then they made a movie in, like, 1979 or 1980. And that's about Mangala, played by Gregory Peck. When he leaves the Nazis, he is jiggering with DNA and he's able to, like, clone Hitler. Yeah. And he puts Hitler, he makes, like, 40 or 50 different clones of Hitler as a child and impregnates women and then he's able to have an upbringing because the odds are that one of them he's got he puts him into environments that will be similar to Hitler's upbringing because he's hoping like with the father that's abusive and leaves him he's blah 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 whatever the characteristics of Hitler's youth is for the intent that one of them is going to grow up to be a Hitler so he can reinvigorate the Third Reich so I guess that being in the 70s there was an idea at the time of DNA and this happened but it was so far-fetched but into the 80s it must have been still you know you were on the verge of technology with like computers are coming out and all this stuff and the sky's the limit literally with what they can do so it's you have these story editors and gi joe coming up with all these different i mean if you and i sat down and did like a podcast which there probably already is of like gi joe episodes i'm sure there's slews of other yeah you know uh ideas of like crazy like you said there's a dinosaur <laughs> episode there's the you know the, this episode that you know there's the episode where cobra is using the dummy corporation maybe in manhattan that tomax tomax and Sam run as a front to be able to make money to yeah you know because you think about like where are they making <laughs> when we were watching this i'm like you know they have they have an endless supply of like uh, planes and 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 techno this that and that it's like where are they manufacturing these where are these things taking off and landing from at the end of it they go to dc and it's that's so frightening where um in in this five-parter uh that's how cobra commander kind of gets everybody back because they start second guessing serpentor because he's like we're gonna go in and we're gonna take america very much like invasion usa and and the other like destro and tomax and zamon are questioning serpentor like that's a great idea but we're not gonna be able to hold 
we may be able to hold DC, but how are we going to be able to hold the state in the country? That's that's not realistic because Serpentor's like this. I command. I can, we can do it. So they take DC, and that was very frightening. Yeah, because we don't even see Serpentor until like, the last couple of minutes of episode four. And right? then he's in, yeah, and he's and he's got like a shroud, and then they give him an outfit like we're in the comic. Since they make him in the Museum of Antiquities, he wakes up and there's a there's a mannequin with the similar outfit. And he just takes that outfit and puts yeah. it on, and that's his Serpentor outfit. Because the exp- <clears throat> basically the explanation of like why he isn't supreme is because they were gonna uh, replace since they get they didn't get Sun Tzu's uh, DNA, they were gonna use Sergeant Slaughter's DNA, but then Sergeant Slaughter and got out of it. He yeah. like destroyed the DNA sample before, like in the process of he so, like peed in so it. he was always missing. One that one important military, <laughs> that one strategic, yeah, and you know, out of the twenty four fucking guys, they slowly if he really... had Sun Tzu of every anybody, that was the one he probably needed for strategy. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so his his maybe his thinking is a little they, flawed. They're like firing at the Pentagon, and then yeah, they 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 go take, and that's a it's a very scary scene to think like it's almost like Thundar, where it's like they have images of DC all on fire, and they're walking through the streets, and then he's got his throne on the Lincoln Memorial, and he's like. And he's, uh, um, what's his face? Serpentor's voice, uh, voiced by this actor, Richard uh, Gaudier, I think his name is, who's, a, who's an actor in the, in the uh, 60s, 70s, and he was a voice actor. Later, he's voiced by Maurice LaMarche, who's a big character actor. And, you know, he's very just like... This, I could Yeah, it's, it's just like he's, he's almost like a child where he's like, I want it like this, this I command! <laughs> I want my peas like this, this I command! I want it now, Daddy! Yeah, this I command! And... Later on, Sepento, darling, <laughs> yes. sweetheart, Veruga. Later on, there's an episode called My Favorite Things, and it's revealed in that that Serpento, in which I remember, his face, he starts being able to change his face. Oh, to like a snake, right? Well, no, he changes his face to whatever person he's talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, dude, you're right. You know, you're so right, like right. suddenly like he looks like Vlad the Impaler, so he's got like a mustache, and you know, or he looks like Rasputin, you know. Oh, yeah, I so he that. starts, you know, taking his, uh, he's able to just change for I forget why it's whoever he's talking about or whoever he's like channeling then yeah I remember that was a thing and then you have so this ends up with the epic fail that they're right Serpento kind of it's almost like Hitler and trying to invade Russia he overshoots his his load and he can't hold DC they're able to thwart him back they go back running and then there's an idea where they're you know Cobra Commander kind of saves face by saying well we're gonna save him and they kind of you know he's yeah well you know it's <clears> interesting <throat> because you know the whole time uh you know cobra commander from the beginning is like to kind of save his own skin skin he's like you know what go ahead and do it yeah <laughs> that's, that's, a great <laughs> idea. that's a great idea you know what whatever's good for the you know he's always i kind of i kind of like that about yeah the he's show. he's very he's like, he's playing the both things. I mean, he's obviously all for himself, but he's like, yeah, go ahead, you know. <laughs> and what I noticed about Let's this do is it. there's uh, when they're going after the DNA, there's a lot of multiple plots going, so it's it's keeping you, you yeah. know. Meanwhile, you know, it's like you know, you have them. They're in they're yeah, in Transylvania, yeah. or they're underwater trying to get Alexander the Great, or they're trying to get you know uh, Attila the Huns. So it's like all these different. So it's not ever getting boring. There's like you know, there's this segment of Joe is protecting this tomb, but then, you know, so... I'd say, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe more, whenever the DVDs, the first run of the DVDs first was like part out, one, part two. Um, I tried to watch this. Something came out and I tried to watch this <clears> and... Uh, yeah, you watched these episodes. The yeah. Arise the Because that was the first thing I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch the first five. And I tried to watch them all in one sitting. 
And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I know why they were spread out, like, a day after day. Because, like, this is horrible it's to, like, try well, to it, try to watch in one sitting. But I have to admit, watching it this time it in one bad. sitting, like, I was kind of into it. Probably because we were, like, all, like, super psyched. And we're like, turn it. And we're got singing. The guy, got their toys. Yeah, we're playing with the toys. <laughs> and it's a Pentor, a cool figure, too, because, like, we were Came singing, with the air chair. He came with the fucking air chair. Yeah, yeah. It's freaking awesome. This, like, command. That's always, like, it's like Zartan coming with that little speed buggy. Yeah, that yeah. That swamp thing, you know? Um, and it's really cool. And then so you fast forward to the movie, which is like the next year, and we learn that it's in fact Globulus from Cobra La implanting through a psychic motivator, quote unquote, this little spider to bite Mindbender to give him the idea. The dream, yeah. The dream. So that's pretty cool that they're able to like like maybe Pythona is able to by Burgess Meredith. The great bring Burgess back that Meredith. Rocky connection. Yeah, bring that Rocky <laughs> and that uh G.I. Joe the movie. Uh the, the the Rich Robert Mitchell movie. I think he's in that. Um and uh, yeah, and so then you know later then later on, I think what is it? The Renegades, the show, the most recent GI Joe show from Hub, they bring back Serpentor as Cobra Commander's pet snake. So there's like a little nod there to him. But uh, I don't know what else. Let me see if there's anything else. Oh, I like that a lot of the rank and fire Cobra had like English accents, so it's almost like a Star Wars thing going on. Where like a lot maybe they're they're just recruiting really heavily in like certain areas of England, like Birmingham, or, or like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a lot of like really disgruntled factory workers who are losing jobs. Well, I think it's time. Like, I think the early '90s were like Sepentor, Ozzy, yeah. Ozzy played well, Yeah, all the um, we used to joke that was part of our casting for oh, the yeah, Dreadnoughts. Get all the Black Sabbath, the original the lineup of Black Sabbath. Yeah, Ozzy was going to be Zartan, <laughs> and then you're going to have like you know Tony Iommi and then uh, Butler, yeah, all them. They were all going to be like you know uh, Buzzer and all the different Dreadnoughts, you know. And then I don't know who we had when we went to the new ones like thrasher and, and you know um, monkey, monkey wrench. wrench and all that hello 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 um and and also i liked too that the the the, the there's a lot of i think i brought this up in gi joe the movie but a lot of the british accents for the dreadnoughts in this were pretty good there's like different re- like they're not they're not terrible cockney accents. yeah, they're, yeah, there's, yeah. and there's a couple of different good ones but yeah i thoroughly enjoyed this and then i don't know if, the, if there's any other note we need to that hammer home about this, but it then so it, it has a run of what you said, like thirty or thirty-five episodes, season two. Season they make the movie, two, yeah. and then it kind of dies a sad death. And I wonder if, from what I heard with skeptics, is is if they um, kept season two as strong as season one, if it would have maybe had survived past. Yeah, I don't know. I have to know? go back and watch them. I don't remember as a kid. Yeah, not liking season, like thinking season two was worse than season one. But I, I mean, w- I don't know how I would feel now if I went back and yeah, we sat and did like all. I guess all people say ninety five episodes. What, what ends up happening is, I guess it it does jump the shark to the extent where it does. Be, that was always the big criticism that all these shows were basically commercials half hour commercials and I guess that's very evident in season two where like you said they take a half hour name and hey roadblock hey dial tone <laughs> hey drudge path hey low boy hey blow job hey low light you know? you know? hey hardball hey uh, rim job hey, they uh, also changed the, the guard the soldiers changed for season two right they had like the the glass dome face, the mere dome face. Well, they have the, the as opposed to like the the, the, the little, little things. Those are yeah. Those are like the, those are like the yeah the stormtroopers. Uh, the Cobra Guard, and then you have the Crimson Guard, which are the red Crimson guys, guards, yeah. which were Tomax's well, Amex guys. I always guys. thought those were cool figures. Always too. awesome. And then you had like the Televipers, which are the dudes who were like the computer guys that would, stuff would come up over their yeah. faces, like "Help, I'm pissed, hate." You know? <laughs> and then you had the Moto Vipers, which are the ones who were driving that new vehicle that have the big chrome and they're dressed in blue. Yeah, they were driving that black thing that opens up like this. And then you have like the 
uh, the, the the whoever the ones that are driving the Night Raven who had the special. They have something in their lung to be able because I had the Night Raven, so reading the back of that card. Yeah, yeah. And they're saying like, uh, you know, um, they have something in, in their lungs so they can go up at higher depths, you know, or go up higher in elevation. We did. Blake was able to dig out of his archive, and he did find <laughs> the original Serpentor um, code name card. And like you said, I don't know if people know, but back in the day when you get. Uh, a G.I. Joe figure, you'd get on the back, you'd be able to cut yeah. out a card. The cardboard back, you'd have, <clears throat> like, the other figures you could get in that series, you know, like the the painted pictures. Yeah. And then underneath that, so you'd be like, I check them off, I need this one, I need that one, and underneath that, you'd have, like, this little file card that you could cut out, and I used to cut them you out. Put, you put them in a box. And it's like them in a little file. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we should read Cobra Commander's thing. Um He's, his code name is Serpentor. He's the Cobra Enter, and it says a secret cabal of Cobra scientists under the direction of the. In, it, see, it's the it, the interrogator, which I don't know who that is. So I wonder if that was sub, turned into Doctor Mindbender. But it says, you know, a, a secret cabal of Cobra scientists under the direction of the interrogator. And well, Destro. there's a point in there's a point in the in the in the show where Cobra Commander's like, you're not here to give. Military strategy here. The chief science officer, the chief interrogator. Also, oh, maybe that's you know, a doctor charge of interrogation. Oh, so maybe that's another name for it because they were in the comic. They're calling him uh, Serpentor's name before he takes the name. It's the uh, Simulacrum, S I M U L A C R U M. And then they're like, well, pronunciation has never been our strong yeah. <laughs> So Simulacrum. So that one. Then he's. Then they're like, we're gonna call him a. A serpentor because it sounds like a servant, and he's and then he's like serpentor. He's like I've been called a lot of names, but um, this is a good enough name as any, you know, to, to call, yeah, be yeah. called serpentor. So it says a secret cabal of cobra scientists under the direction of the interrogator and Destro comb the tombs and the sarcophagi and relics of great deposits of history to find the cells with DNA traces from these long dead genetic group blueprints they produced a composite clone with the military genius of napoleon the ruthlessness of julius caesar the daring of hannibal the fiscal uh, um of uh until the hun the ultimate cobra emperor a master politician a political intrigue and brilliant uh Tacticianer, he is capable of wrestling power from Cobra Commander for the benefit of the interrogator and Destro. Fortunately, the Joes, uh, fortunately for the Joes, Co- the Cobra Emperor's own ambitions were not taken into consideration by his creators. And at the end, they have like I don't understand. What, they have like a little quote at the end. Huh. With that, you know, they always have info, and they always have like a little bit at the end. And the little quote at the end is, "His eyes have seen the legions of Rome trample the Gauls and Nervali." into the dust, his hands lifted. The horsehair baton that singled the first charge of the Carginian armored uh, elephant phallus. His ears have heard the rattle of the French Carcini of the streets of Moscow. It is with his mind we must fear the most. The thoughts of the Cobra Emperor have not drifted from global conquest since the reign of King Solomon. And then it just dot, dot, dot. (laughs) So like a seven-year-old kid's like, holy shit, damn. This shit is going down. (laughs) If anybody's interested in reading the issues, it's he, uh, G.I. Joe, the original run, he comes out in 49 and then his story arc is 50 to 56 and he's back 
63 to 65 and then he is again 72 to 76 and it's like i said it's really cool because it's a lot darker yeah and there's a lot of other shit going on and the bats are awesome they're killing people people are dying left and right so I'm uh, dying. I'm dying. <laughs> who's, a, who's a tough guy? I was tough guy. I'm dying She had a baby. She had a baby. Who's a tough guy? I'm a tough guy. Oh, we made it. We fucking made it. Okay. Well, so that was fun. Um, Alrighty. Yeah. So that was another little uh, trip down memory lane for us, and we hope that we didn't uh, all of our over hyperness because it's so late in the evening didn't really just uh, oversell it. Yeah. <clears throat> it was fun revisiting. We're losing yeah, our voices, Joe. and we're it's it's the sun's coming up. I mean, it was cool doing Transformers and and GI Joe back uh, the movies several <clears throat> years ago. Yeah. Uh, and even though in the grand scheme of thing, it was so early that. You know, they didn't make a huge splash download wise. I always hear more than any other thing, any other episode mentioned. I always hear like, I discovered you guys because I listened to your Transformers episode. Oh, really? Yeah. I hear that. I hear that a lot. Like Mighty Mike Vanderbilt, I believe. Oh, you're right. He discovered us because of our Transformers. We were looking for, uh, yeah, something to, uh, yeah. But I've heard that like a bunch of times that like, oh, you know, I, I, I heard you guys did a Transformers episode, and I listened to it. And, and our G.I. Joe episode was a direct uh, sequel sequel to this Transformers episode. Yeah, because um, we did Transformers, which um, I, I personally love, but I don't think is, is a strong movie as G.I. Joe the movie. Uh, but I have a huge fondness for it. But then when you get the G.I. Joe the movie, there's another that we talk about. It's just some other crazy shit. It's like organic-based very much like uh, like Jason the Real Warriors. It's like organic-based technology, yeah. which is crazy. The, the think, you know, with the BET, the Broadcast Energy Transmitter, not the channel BET, Black Entertainment <laughs> which is Television. perfectly fine. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but they're not, Cobra ain't trying to wrestle on BET. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to start slinging it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. We, no, not that BET. We need the other BET. That's Destro talking. I'm not doing any impressions. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Great it's show, long night, hell of a lot of. Remember Destro's toys? backstory? There, I was. That was another. That was when I was telling you. I was explaining to this person how intense the show was. That was the other one I pointed to. Was like the man in the iron mask backstory of Destro, Destro, where his whole. It's like it happened to his like great 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 grandfather, and then it's his whole like line of down the of men have to wear this this iron mask and it's yeah, like yeah. different versions and he's, of it spoiler alert he's related to lady j right yeah well they were like having dinner or whatever so like he's about to like get it on with her he's like, i realized <laughs> that we may be related so this is slightly awkward except they make porn nowadays like this um the one thing i never understood and i think you told me this or whatever i mean we're getting over um we need to end this but yeah i never understood what destro supposedly i never knew he was an african-american I mean, his voice sounds like it, but if you look at his chest, he's got. It looks like he's got that. It looks like that. That's his chest. See, not, I never thought that. I thought that was just like you know that was painted that way. But that's some people say no. That's his exposed chest. Yeah. yeah. I'm like really it's like Khan, Wrath of Khan. Yeah. It's like yeah. He's got <laughs> exactly. He's wearing like a chest plate there. <laughs> Cook. This is City Alpha Five. <laughs> Imagine Khan as a toy. Listen, Khan. Cobra Commander. <laughs> Anyway, we're, we're a little we're punched. Anyway, up. thank you so much. Yeah, thank for you for listening. listening. Um, check us out in two weeks. We'll be back live again, live to tape. We have um, check our Facebook page out, check our Twitter page out, check our home site out. We have a lot of extras we always post with our stuff. Uh, check Blake's book out. 
Saturday night. <laughs> Saturday night. Saturday That's the next. That's the home edition. That's the next book. That's the score to death. Conversations with some of Harry's greatest composers. Check out the podcast that'll be starting right around this time. Uh, and uh, that that will continue as well, hopefully. I'll be able to find the time to keep that going. Yeah. And, um, yeah, check us out. You know, like us, uh, rate us, uh, retweet us, all that kind of things. And we'll be back in two weeks with another fun turn into movie nostalgia. We hope you like what we've been doing. And we have a big... Big surprises in store for 2018. So big that we don't even know about it. <laughs> you haven't even figured them out yet. Yeah. So see you in two weeks. Later. Da-da, da-da, da-da.